0: Point one, announcements of items from closed session. The only significant, the only decision we made was the decision to hire Andrew Cullen as an instructional assistant three from the Criminal Justice Training Center, which is a classified position. Now, if you all please rise and repeat with me the Pledge of Allegiance. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. 6.3, adoption of the agenda. Is there a motion? So move. Second. All in favor of adopting the agenda, please signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. Public comment in general. This time we'll devote it. A total of up to fifteen minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future board agenda. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Individuals will be limited to a three-minute presentation. This time the board chair will poll those in attendance regarding their intent to speak on any item on the agenda. We have two cards. If anyone else wants to speak, uh, fill out a card and slip it over to Carolee and we'll accommodate you. Number one, Diana Chiboti to speak on class cuts.
1: Hi. So um, I am actually doing this in public comment because it's not with my association president's hat on, but with my Um, just faculty member hat on, and I wanted to um, say that it it bothers me to bring this issue here, but I don't feel like we have another recourse, and I feel that the faculty have voiced their concerns about this, so I have decided myself to talk about it here. Um, We've heard for months that we need to um, kind of chase FTES and bring up our um, enrollments and our courses, and we have a history, a long history as a college of serving students in our community not just as numbers but as individuals and as people we the faculty has a long history of being responsive to the need to increase FTS where many years ago we enrolled in classes to help with those numbers and cutting classes as painful as that was when we needed to cut classes um, a few years ago and in what faculty also did recently was submit spring schedules that we felt met the needs of our students and would help them be successful in whatever their goals are here at our college. We um, are currently being for- faced with the potential of beginning to cut classes next week, first spring of 2016, which has not really been widespread, publicized, or spoken um, about with our students. We are not solely a transfer institution. We um, serve a multitude of students in, with different needs, and we also serve a large number of students that are low-income and are struggling. Struggling students need to wrap up fall semester before they begin to seriously think about spring. Now is not the time when they are thinking about what they're going to do next semester. They want to finish their finals for this semester. And low-income students, when they're forced to choose between providing for their family over the winter and what holidays that they must, that they celebrate in their family and and gifts and foods for the holidays or enrolling in my course or any course, often the choice is their family. And I would argue that it, that is the choice that they should be allowed to make in December. And um. After December and the spring semester, any January income they have is more likely to be able to be spent on enrolling in our courses. In addition, our numbers and our enrollment data would show you that many, many, many of our students... Enroll in courses the few days before the semester starts, not six weeks and two months before. And I would ask this college to not start canceling classes next week, but to wait and follow our usual pattern of class cancellations. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, Chris Cullen to speak on the nursing program.
2: Good evening.
3: Um, yeah my name is chris cullen, and I um, sent this letter to uh my trustee in my district uh earlier today mr Iverson and he encouraged me to attend um and basically i 'm just going to start off reading this uh this email that I had sent him. I think it encapsulates everything pretty well. Hello, my name is chris cullen i 've lived in Napa quite a while um you're I'm talking uh I am in your district at fourteen o two Sumner Avenue, As a trustee to Napa Valley College, I'm not sure if you're aware of the confusion and mismanagement this department has caused residents of Napa over the years. Personally speaking, I'm a psychiatric technician at Napa State Hospital for the last 12 years. Over the years, Napa Valley College Nursing had promised they were about to implement a program specifically called the Psych Tech to RN program. Essentially, it allows psych techs to complete their RN in three semesters instead of four. This funding for this program simply disappeared one day overnight and became a Napa Valley College paramedic to RN program, which was in the papers quite a bit. It was developed with the funds earmarked for the psych tech program, uh, and this paramedic program was ripe with allegations of mismanagement and nepotism in which shut down. I work at Napa State. Psych techs play an integral role in caring for people with severe disabilities. Our community college simply fails psych techs trying to increase their education. In closing, it's ironic, a psych tech has to travel all the way to Contra Costa Community College that does have a psych tech to RN program. Meanwhile, we have hundreds of psych techs right across the street. Thank you for your time. I hope I can begin to make sense out of the Napa Valley nursing program. Also, I'd just like to mention on a personal note, um, this program basically uh, has a lot of inconsistencies. Uh, I was in the nursing program in uh, 2012. I believe that was in the newspaper. Um, And there was quite a bit of a petition at the time. And I was in that class. Um... Uh, going into too much detail what happened Uh had a person that i work with uh... did clinical studies uh... with on clinicals with was a good person uh... I believe a lot of this uh... one this unfortunately had happened before this person actually tried to take her own life uh... due to some stresses that are caused now in this program i myself wound up having some difficulties in this program through my own my own problems and academics, but basically where I stand now is I've spent I've invested a lot of time into this college, and I'm trying to get back in the nursing program with advanced standing. And I would encourage the board to look at not only the psych tech to RN program, but also look into the internal policies regarding advanced standing. I don't believe they actually exist. I've looked into other colleges, and they, I'm actually being I'm looking at Los Medanos right now, but I don't think it's fair as a taxpayer that I should have to drive 60 miles one way to go to a nursing program that I've spent a lot of time and energy trying to complete. Again, as a CAPT member with the uh, California Association of Psych Techs, I just would like to Asked this board to look into where that funding went to the Psych Tech to RN program. I would like to see if that program could be looked into and in being brought back, or because I, uh, I simply do not know. But I'm not the only one that is wondering about this. I just thought I would come tonight and share this um, thought with you. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you. Uh, Constituent group reports, 8.1, Academic Senate, Amanda Badgett, President.
4: Good evening. Um, First, I'd like to thank the board members and actually all of those members of the campus community who attended the Benefit Art Show last Thursday. We actually had a great crowd. And through the sale of demo works by my colleagues Fane Hancock and Rue Brugeman. The department raised around $1,800 for student scholarships, so thank you, everybody, for that. That same night, I, I knew uh, that the there was also on the campus a Puente Holiday Fa- Family Celebration, and then this week we've had, uh, I see, uh, the Interclub Council lighting the campus glade, there was um, that I was able to attend a Tuesday, the foundation event at Churchill Manor. I got to go for 20 minutes before I had to teach. Wednesday, there was a lovely retirement send-off for Laura Eklund in the PAC lobby. Today, the SI STEM Christmas party was uh, held uh, midday, and then more events this weekend. Um, this past week also marked the retirement of three faculty, Jose Hurtado and Counseling, Cliff Sikowski in psych tech and Jan Whitmer in nursing. And I I believe we will sort of mark that in May or April, May. Yeah. So what all this indicates is a very busy time of year for all of us. And that would be uh, also true for our students. And speaking as a faculty member, I can attest to the fact that right now, our students are exhausted. We've put them through their paces. And while I'd love to say that all my students have dutifully gotten ed plans and enrolled in classes for January, I regret to say that wouldn't be the case. The fact is, our students come to us from an extraordinary range of circumstances. In this term alone, I've had at least two students in the ER in the last week. One student um, lost a loved one to suicide about four weeks ago another had to drop my class to help her parents with her bipolar brother and another has just had her house burned down and these are our students these are my regular students and even in the absence of crisis our students work one or more jobs they balance the care of their own siblings or their children with commutes on 29 37 and 112 so I know what I'm saying here isn't news I SUSPECT um, TO YOU, BUT I BRING IT UP BECAUSE WHAT MANY OF OUR STUDENTS ARE CAPABLE OF DEALING WITH RIGHT NOW, RIGHT NOW, WHAT IS RIGHT IN FRONT OF THEM, WHICH IS FINALS AND PRESENTATIONS AND PAPERS. AND and THEN AFTER NEXT WEEK, IT WILL BE THE HOLIDAYS, HOWEVER THEY CHOOSE TO CELEBRATE THEM. WHAT MY STUDENTS AND I SUSPECT MOST STUDENTS ACROSS THE COLLEGE CAMPUS ARE NOT THINKING ABOUT RIGHT NOW IS SPRING ENROLLMENT. And their fatigue level and their wallets may prohibit more than just a passing thought on the matter. And it's in this context that next week, deans and division chairs will be considering cancellation of low-enrolled classes. And I hope and trust that any decision to cancel class takes into account faculty perspective, past fill rates, and the impact of the new packaging of courses, the eight-week duration as well as the late-start courses. I WOULD ALSO HOPE THAT THE FACT THAT STUDENTS HAVEN'T REALLY OFFICIALLY BEEN NOTIFIED OF THIS EARLY CANCELLATION DEADLINE WILL TEMPER ADMINISTRATION'S EFFORTS AT CANCELLATION OF COURSES. THAT SAID, I REALIZE THAT A COURSE SCHEDULE THAT SUPPORTS OUR STUDENTS AND OUR PROGRAMS AND KEEPS OUR INSTITUTION FISCALLY VIABLE IS A CONTINUOUS WORK IN PROGRESS. I ALSO KNOW THAT TO MEET THOSE NEEDS, FACULTY PERSPECTIVE IS ESSENTIAL. WITHOUT THE INPUT OF THOSE OF US WHO HAVE SEEN THE vicissitudes OF YEARLY ENROLLMENTS seen the behavior of students from semester to semester, know um, firsthand the specific discipline and program needs. Without that input, the decisions to cut will benefit neither our students nor the institution. So, as, the, as Fall 2015 semester draws to a close, I simply want to take this opportunity to thank my colleagues who supported me in this new role. The challenges have been many, and the mistakes I've made are, are my own but I hope they and all of you will have time to relax and refresh over the coming weeks. 2016 should be a corker of a year. Thanks. Thank you.
0: 8.2, Administrative Confidential Senate Report. Ken Arnold, President.
5: Good evening. Um, the, as we close in on 2016, uh, I'd like to thank Laura for all, <laughs> all the years of service. A lot of people have had to uh, help Excuse me, got ahead of myself there, uh, have uh, said great things about her, and I wouldn't take anything away, but it's just, uh, once again, sort of that whole watching all the uh, administrative changes going on, it's it's very interesting. We are in a very dynamic time on the administrative side of the house. Equally, I want to just sort of talk about we're excited to um, and the, uh, throw out for participation, a leadership development class has sort of finalized that. And uh, we're going to have uh, participation from uh, hopefully all the constituent groups. We'll be doing uh, leadership. Uh, we're going to do sort of the last lecture communications, positive conflict, opportunity thinking, inspired leadership, acting as a leadership tool, and creating change. The idea is if so, everybody takes leadership qualities back to whatever uh, particular group. And really, sort of, uh, you know, move to a a leadership culture, just, you know, hopefully it'll improve er the area. The other note, which hasn't really nothing to do with Administrative Senate, but uh, I thank the board and and the uh, administration. We are going to be graduating on Saturday, and I'm going to be swearing in the first uh, police officer that we grew basically from a student. Came to me eight years ago as a student, uh, became a CSO, and is now going. uh, Alba Madrigal is going to graduate on the twelfth. She's going to get her badge and will be sworn in as the first sort of homegrown. Literally started as a student, watched her grow up, and now she's going to be uh, the police officer protecting the college and everyone here. That's it. Saturday. That That is Saturday. Yes.
0: Thank you. 8.3 Associated Students of Napa Valley College report, and it's not Elaney Tam. Hello.
6: There you go. Thank you. Hello. I'll be delivering the ASNBC student report. Uh, number one, ASNBC attended the holiday gathering with the Foundation Tuesday night. Uh, we gained support of many board members on the future plans of the Student Activity Center and Future Student Union. Two, next week, ASMVC will be giving out free testing materials before finals. Uh, three, ASMVC has also been working on increasing their followings on social media. Our public relations officer, Jesus Martinez, has been working with Snapchat to come up with a geofilter for Napa Valley College. If you're unfamiliar with Snapchat, a geofilter is a special overlay that you can attach to your picture or video only in certain locations. ASMVC has also created a Twitter page at ASMVC Tweets where announcements and other event information can be communicated. Um, Four, we're also giving out coffee and donuts to congratulate students for a semester well done. And um, uh, we're also issuing a thank you to Trustee Iverson for the donation of the coffee and donuts. Um, Also, uh, the ASNBC Angel Tree is uh, finishing up up the donation drive. Uh, This year, we'll be giving over 70 gifts for children. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, classified Association Report, Jan Chart, President. I don't see her here, so apparently no report. Eight point five, Classified Senate, Christopher Farmer, President.
2: I'm gonna take you on a walk through our Twitter feed. I hope I haven't said anything inappropriate recently. <laughs> Well, while that loads, hopefully, there it is. So first and foremost, I would like to thank the board for uh, voting to grant emeritus status to Ms. Valerie Exum. Those of you know that she was the Classified Senate President for a long time Uh, When she came into the Classified Senate, it was, well, a harsh word to be, it was a mess, and she really put it on her shoulders and carried it through. Anyone who knows Valerie knows she was a completely loving and self-sacrificing individual, and she really was a mom to us all. And she left some giant footprints for me to fill. She really set the bar, and this place is just not going to be the same without her. But she is our first Classified Professional Emeritus, and that's a real big deal for all of us. to be recognized in that light for all our contributions to Napa Valley College. So, uh, Valerie Exum, and thank you to the board for approving that. Uh, The next stop on down our Twitter feed, this is our December Employee of the Month, Miss Mary Prophet. Uh, Mary has worked in financial aid since 1997, and... When it comes to getting students where they need to go at Napa Valley College, no one can doubt that financial aid is one of the key departments here, and Mary Prophet has been at the forefront of that office for a long time, and it's been a long time coming that she's been Employee of the Month. Um, So if you stop in financial aid, make sure you congratulate her. And the next stop on down here, and I'm going to have to open this one up, in light of the student equity plan, Coming to the board tonight, one of the groups that often isn't considered when we think about student equity. It's easy to get stuck on race and gender and even age groups, but students with disabilities is a big one, and it is highlighted in the student equity plan tonight. Um, but a big part of that is technology. So I want to take an opportunity to recognize one of our own, Mr. Amar Abbott, who is recognized on this website. He is a member of this initiative. It's called CIRCLE, Center for Innovative Research into Cyber Learning. It's an NSF-funded initiative through the Stanford Research Initiative. Um, So it's NSF funding. It's a group of people trying to push cyber learning forward into the future. Amar has a great story and he really exemplifies why assistive technology is so important to the school. When he graduated from high school, a lot of the technology that help students with disabilities, was not here. He had to go into the workforce. It's all on this website. He has a fascinating story. He's sitting right back there. If you don't know who Omar is, he has a great story, and you really should engage him in it. He has a lot of insight, and he's pursuing a doctorate in this. He's full of passion, and it's great to have an employee of MVC recognized on this type of stage. So um, we're really proud of Omar and really happy to see where he's going. And on a final note, and a totally unrelated and personal note, next time I stand before this board, I will be a dad. So, oh. thank you. <laughs> I might not be standing.
0: <laughs> 8.6 Faculty Association Report, Diana Chibodi, President.
7: Can we say congratulations to Amar first, real quick?
0: <laughs> yes, that was great. Yeah. All
8: right, I
1: think I have this on. Um, so, first, we'd like to um, acknowledge and thank everyone for s- the festivities that people have arranged for the holidays and for um, the retirees. It's um, important to have those little moments of uh, respite. Um, in the course of our work and to honor those people that work so hard for the college. Um, we are still working on negotiations at the table. I don't really have an update to that yet, except it's still going on. We, um, as an association, we're concerned about the early class cuts and the risk of losing quality and committed adjuncts and what that will do for us in the future, or should we need to add classes in and they've already found positions at other colleges. And basically, a um, as Amanda said, we're working on wrapping up the semester um, full of finals and uh, grading and grading and more grading. And spending, at the end of the semester, we usually spend a lot of um, ex- additional time with students who are worried and concerned, and um, some are excited because they get their grade back, and they are very excited. But, um, but overall, just wrapping up the semester, we're looking forward to a little bit of a... Um, a respite and planning for the next semester, which is what we do on break, is read more books. Um, But also, I wanted to thank you as a board for your um, commitment to our college and the time and effort you put into serving the needs of the institution and ultimately our students. Thanks.
0: Thank you.
9: Can I ask a question? I'm wondering, because it sounds like this is the way you're describing a change, um, when would... Classes normally be cut. Like, is this a departure from past practice? And when would they normally be cut?
1: Um, it it is a departure. We usually wait until close to the start of the semester in which we are cutting them for. So we wouldn't begin cutting until. Um, Usually a week or so before, and sometimes not even up until, for some classes in some sections, not up until a couple days before. And for some programs, like the students that take my classes, a lot of them are very low income, and they really have to wait till the very last minute to spend that money.
9: Thank you.
10: Uh, Can I comment? Go
9: ahead.
10: SO THAT'S NOT ENTIRELY TRUE, Um, AND I HAVEN'T DONE THE ANALYSIS FOR SPRING YET, BUT FOR LAST FALL I COMPARED OUR EARLY CUTS THAT WE STARTED DOING A MONTH BEFORE AND COMPARED THAT TO PREVIOUS FALLS, AND THIS COLLEGE HAS ALWAYS DONE, OR I SHOULDN'T SAY ALWAYS, HAS DONE IN THE PAST CUTS AS EARLY AS A MONTH BEFORE. Um, LAST FALL WE DID A MUCH LARGER CUTTING OF NUMBER OF CLASSES THAT that PEOPLE NOTICED, AND WE DID THAT ACTUALLY BECAUSE WE HAD OVERSCHEDULED. um, that the, there are cuts that are, are I can't speak for spring because I haven't done the analysis yet but um, for fall there have been cuts done as, as early as a month before in the past
4: I would just um, if I can comment just that um, the issue here is with going into spring it's not the month out as much as it is what's going on right now in finals week that makes it a little problematic.
0: Could I ask? just you. Well,
11: typically, I just, one quick question. I mean,
0: last time, because we're not going to get in a debate on this.
11: Right, but as far as enrollment goes, aren't the dates pretty standard every year for the most part?
10: Terry, does it change often, or? The dates are, the dates are fairly standard. They're off just by, you know, a few days because of the change in the calendar, but 9.0
0: Nine point zero superintendent president's report, dr. Kraft
12: hi there there's always hi there you guys okay yeah. all right, this is the fun part um, no let me um let me talk this is um posted up here a little bit like Amanda and Diana and everyone else i've been going to lots and lots of events which i I think typify. Really, where I, I see the school and the college itself, which is um, there's, a, there's a lot of camaraderie going on right now. I, I believe that the um, for the first time in a while since I've been here, this is my fourth fourth year. There we go. Um, you know, I can really see an identity in in the faculty, classified students, and administrators, and working together. And and some and that may not be as obvious as it as it sounds, but that really means that those groups are have a healthy regard for themselves and see the interconnections in the college. And that, that's a a really good thing. So I'm seeing more of those kind of interconnections and that's, that's very exciting. So as a, as a general piece, you know, this last week, I went to the Glade with the AS, AS, ASNBC. We did the lighting out there, which was a, a nice thing for the first annual. I, you know, we had a, a light crowd, I would say this year, but next year we 'll be um fighting them off you know and and the following year, a lot of celebrations and ceremonies you know let was met with um Senate leadership um, Ken, amanda chris and and um alini and and in different different times and in events and um'm quite pleased with where we are um, i I would typify the college having gone through quite a bit, and i 'll talk a little bit about that um, is um turn the corner. Whatever that means, I, I feel very strongly that we are on the right path. Um, let me just jump to a couple things. This is state level now, Okay, accreditation. And, and you can see, and I've heard about this, bottom line, the the um, November meeting of the Board of Governors, they unanimously approved the resolution regarding our current system of accreditor. What that means is um, the, the options really will mean that we are going to, as a system, um, either use the our current ACCJC and talk about um, reforming them, or seek another accrediting um, group. And that is a a great big change for this state. Um, there's an overwhelming wave. I don't think it's just um, you know cries in the wilderness here. The only group that did not go forward was the the chief business officers group, which just kind of stayed silent on it but overarchingly um, that change is um, probably long overdue and there will be some good um, really good material coming out in march and we we'll, and we'll see it does it does not affect our accreditation where we are in our accreditation cycle or the next 7 years under that accreditation but you'll be able to see the changes um, workforce task recommendation really interesting i mean there was so much emphasis and um, strong impetus on the SSSP, which is the student services side of the house. It it was so positive, and I think it really energized folks, that just lately, and I think Diana has some involvement with this as well, and feel free to jump in, but the task force included CEOs from community college system. Um, They're really working on this workforce, job creation, and strong economy um, piece, um, and it's my notion, and I've, and I've talked to the chancellor on this, that this is going to take on the same look as SSSP. Major dollars are going to flow to this college in support of career and technical jobs, and that's a really good thing. I don't know, Diana, if you have any other... I know that you're involved in it, but um, nothing? You don't have to. Don't, don't, if you don't want to. Okay. Didn't want to put you on the spot. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm excited about that. I would expect um, we'll know more. Um, they're, going, they're going to ask the legislature to, to fund up some dollars, and they're working with the, the analyst's office right now to see whether they can find some. It could make a big difference, especially for a college like Napa that has a, a primary workforce who lives um, for and by many of the technical career fields in the valley. Okay, on our accreditation, a little campus update, um, we have moved through a couple different pieces here already. Um, The report sent to me this month from ACCJC was the official uh, factual um, 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 report. We corrected a couple factual errors. It then went to the ACCJC. They'll meet on January 6th to 8th, and then they'll go back through this. I, I put a little background in here for those folks who are not quite clear, but... Basically, they'll take a look at all that information. Um, they'll determine our accreditation status. Um, they'll announce this to NBC and the public um, through their announcements. And in past cycles, we'll probably receive that letter early in February, um, But so we'll know where we are. If We're seeking affirmation, I wrote down there for you. Um, they can reaffirm our accreditation, or it can sanction the college. Most sanctions are. Um, in the forms of you know, warnings or other kinds of things, I would expect that we will have some sanctions. Most colleges do, um, you know, looking at the information. We'll then have an opportunity to improve those over a period of um, months, weeks, days, um, and, and uh, kind of work forward on that. If we do, um, we'll be very clear on what we'll do and what we won't do and come back. Um enrollments. uh, I think Terry is going to do some enrollment um information later, but um I'm 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 eager to hear a little bit about that. Personnel and staffing is worth noting. A couple of things and I wanted to draw your attention. We're just um in the final pieces of the Vice President of Administrative Services search. Um what you see up there is next Thursday is that we'll we're we're interviewing all next week um with some finalists. Um scheduled to show up on Thursday the 17th. There are some open forums um, that, I, if you're interested, I would invite you to attend. And those run four different candidates from 3.30 to 6.30 or so, 3.30, 4.30, and 5.30. Um, it's a nice opportunity for the, the community or stakeholders to see those candidates. There will be other constituency groups, of course, that will be involved in, in that second round of interview processes. Um, in other news, let's see, let's just talk about um, Office of Institutional Advancement. Lissa is um, leaving us, and, um, you know, so that leaves, leaves me to figure out kind of mid-year how to reorganize someone who, you know, is a fundraiser, foundation person, marketing, communication, OIA, DAS, PIO, and community member, um, along with a lot of other HATs. Um, and she has done a an incredible job. We had a really nice time at Churchill Manor. We um, um, talked about talked about her, honored her. She's going, and we'll talk a little bit maybe later when you do your report um, about, about the future. So, um, you know, thank you now, and and we've been uh, we've been working to. Um, to do our very best job to try to uh, reorganize, and that, that's going to take a little bit of time, but I will have that um, back, that reorganization structure in, in January for us. Um, search for a new executive director of HR is ongoing. Search committee has met. It will review candidates this week to select semifinalists, which will then be um, contacted and we will schedule those interviews um, probably for January. Uh, other administrators, we have some faculty that will that will open up staff and auxiliary services positions. Those searches are either underway or will begin in early spring. And um, your, your individual vice presidents and or other folks will um, talk about that. Auxiliary services, we hired um, two, two folks. We have somebody who's selling um, wine through the viticulture area. And we also are going to um, convert our cafe casual workers. Um, over here, and we're looking to hire some other folks as well. Um, Of note, the departure of our director, Ben, I don't know how to say Ben's last name. Can somebody help me with that? Leon. Leon, thank you. Um, In the Information Technology Department, Ben came from Texas, was commuting back and forth between here and Texas, and decided between family and Napa, family one. So he's going to... um, um, uh, resign and um, that will that will put us in a position of trying to backfill a director, so I'll be looking heavily at that. Planning is a discussion with the IT team. We've met together with them on several occasions and um, we're working hard to um, see um, the best course of action there. Recall that the uh, Vice President of Administrative Services, um, this is one of those areas that that person will Um, guide and lead, and that person should be on board by February 1st as well. Leadership training. uh, Ken did a great job on this. I've enjoyed working with Ken on this whole thing. It's just listed here for you a little bit and and, um, maybe another reinforcement. What I thought was very exciting, those colleges who have a sense of culture in and around leadership, I think, do a better job at treating each other kindly and civilly and so I'm I'm really excited to see that you know we're not only leaning towards leadership, but we're including classified staff, faculty, um, the administrators, confidential, and students. And and um, as this grows, our first cohort was small, five or so. Second cohort, we're hoping to be we're 20 or so, and um, it, it it may or may not get that that big. And so it will grow. So. Just fast forward, helicopter with me a little bit in five years, we'll have hundreds of people who will have gone through this kind of, you know, wonderful backbone um, leadership and mission building. It's it's just a great thing all across. So there's this culture that we're building as we go along. Um, emergency level training, the last sentence of this is the most important, really, or the second, NBC conducted emergency um, training level two, I think that's correct, right, Ken? Um, the the leadership of the of the campus cabinet and other senior leaders were um, were not unaware of what used to be an unspeakable event, which now seems more commonplace. You know, whether that's an earthquake or a fire or in you know some some other catastrophic event, a, a shooter or something like that. We're not we're taking this very seriously. We're doing training. We are, I think, um, with Ken's leadership and other pieces, considered a leader in this area. And um, I think we're a bit ahead of the curve. We still have a lot to learn. The leadership training, to me, pointed out that we still have gaps. And um, that was part of what the leadership training was for. Um, when is the we, – we have a next year, I believe. Is Yeah. Right. Great. So that would you know a, a an emergency response drill um, next October that will include all you know all faculty and it will it will be a dry run if you will and um, that's it's critical and, and we're we're um, I'm very thankful that we have good leadership here planning um, all, I, I didn't want to put a whole lot here but basically the district continues with our educational master plan update. It's it's coming along pretty nicely. The steering committee is the Council of Presidents. And they're kind of guiding it through. We're taking it one step at a time, gathering data, looking at it, sharing with folks. Still have to do some more um, vetting with the different groups, uh, um, especially I think with faculty needs to check in a bit. I'm going to uh, visit with the Academic Senate a couple times. We'll have a couple forums. I talked to Amanda about that, and I think that's a real good piece. We're still on track probably for a... Um, of February completion. I think that that makes sense. The facilities master plan is a corollary plan update that's begun because we are already gathering square footage and and kind of reports to undergird that. And um, so it will work closely with the educational master plan, and it will be completed sometime late spring. Um, I think they're both really there to a a couple things, and, and, you know, it, it will help us um, understand better uh, our mission, address the resources needs, and are adequately prepare, repair, or modernize to meet our infrastructure. So whatever we do in the educational master plan, and then subsequently identify those things we need to implement that plan in terms of infrastructure or um, facilities, will find its way into the facilities master plan. Um, we're also conducting an economic impact report. We did one a couple years ago through EMSI. This one is a little um, more fine-tuned, and I'm excited about it. Um, it, it really w- was very well-received in the community in 2014, showing the strength and importance of Napa Valley College as one of the biggest and um, more critical employers in the area, our economic um, impact on the area, that the, uh, the return, if you will, uh, in terms of the return on investment for uh, the community, their support, then how it how it reflects in the community. We're also able to do a little bit more this time. We have a, a large enough Hispanic um, population where w- we're going to try with EMSI um, to see whether or not we can get at the uh, looking at our Hispanic student populations' economic impact through the lens of of the college in the community. Um, I'm not sure I said that exactly right, Lissa, but when you come up, if you want to improve on that, you can. Um, community engagement and outreach, a couple things. There's so much going on. We could list it, a, a lot of these, but I'm just giving you the bigger ones. Holly Brown, I met with, and Dan and I met with Holly, um, pr- apprenticeship coordinator. Um, they they are going to hold a regional-wide apprenticeship fair. Um, sometime in April, we believe the 22nd. The event is expected to draw um, nearly 800 students from across the region, Napa Valley, Solano, Marin. And exactly what we I talked about earlier, workforce, hands-on, business and industry, technical career options. There are a lot of folks, as you know, people that you probably know, who have degrees, who are now considering other kinds of career paths, that are more lucrative um, and those things are in, often in uh, the technical careers and finally that's a picture of the bridge there over tulecate Creek it's open now you can get from downtown Joe's on a bike in one point three minutes that's say I timed it myself it's one mile um, which I know seems amazing and it's hard to convince people that we're so close to downtown Napa um, I did. I did. timed it. It was good.
0: 1.3 minutes. 1.3
12: miles. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. I rode fast. Yeah. Here is the good news about it. Sorry. Yeah. I saw people going, what the? Yeah. Um, it, it opens up a lot of things, and there are some things that aren't as obvious. One, and I, I wrote them down here, um, it really increases access to all of our programs, you know, from pack all the way to the classes. It absolutely, there's some data here that I thought was interesting that um, opens up greater access for students with disabilities who cannot get to this campus. It's very difficult to get to this campus. That You can go by wheelchair or motorized wheelchairs or other devices on that trail very easily from other stops now. And so it, it is really quite extraordinary. It reduces the carbon footprint, reduces traffic, Gets Ken out of the parking ticket business, you know. So it's got a lot of wins here, and um, it's very exciting. The Vine Trail folks are excited to do this. There are two trails planned. One is the exterior trail that runs on the railroad tracks on the outside. The other is a contemplated trail that might run more near our pond if we get that planning going. So um, that is kind of the the general and... and, um, I'm uh, done with that piece of it. I, I'd like to move along the other pieces of this, if I can, and um, ask uh, Bill Hardy to come on up and um, talk about the, the foundation. Welcome, Bill.
13: Hi. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks again for the chance to to speak here. Uh, first, I want to I extend my our thank you on, on behalf of the foundation, to the trustees, and, and to Dr. Kraft, to... For attending our, our the Churchill Manor event that we had on Tuesday, it was a great event, and uh, it was, it's great to get to know you folks uh, a little better and and, and your families, and uh, it's really good for us because uh, this this relationship is really important to us. I, I I'm also going to uh, have a few words to say about Lisa. She's been uh, a terrific person working among her many hats. Uh, Functioning as executive director of our foundation, and uh, is doing a, a really admirable job. It, it's uh, uh, she's a, a difficult person to to replace, and uh, uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But uh, arrangements are being made, and and we're we're pretty happy with them. Uh, on, on that score, I want to correct an impression that I may have given in the last meeting about the MOU. I, I the foundation is not interested in in. Asking the 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 district for more support. We're only interested in clearing up what we currently have. We're 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 pretty satisfied with the arrangements that we have now. It's just that they need to be spelled out a little more clearly, and and we're in the process of doing that. I, I, uh, I thanks to uh, the trustees who met with us uh, to discuss that, and uh, hopefully in the next uh, couple of weeks we'll have something that we can we can work with. But it's not going to be a functional change. It's going to be a change only in the wording. And uh, just to make it clearer that we have that, this type of uh, contractual arrangement, and that the and that the district has an enforceable right, uh, and that's that's an important part of uh, of the legal opinion that was issued. Uh, it's been a good year-end for fundraising, and, and we've we've gotten some more scholarship money. We've funded the Napa First program that I spoke to you about about a year ago, which was the Program that's specifically designed for CTE students and and those students who are residents of Napa Valley. Uh, the uh, uh, we're paying for a sign. The foundation is paying for the sign to advertise the, our number oneness uh, in on the, on the campus, and uh, we're proud of that. We're really proud of the school, and and we're proud of being able to to do our part in uh, in advertising it. The uh, we've been I've been discussing with. Uh, and Casada and other of the students about uh, the need for a, a, a meeting place for, for students to, where they can hang out and, and sort of socialize and get to know one another. And for our for our purposes in, in creating a sense of, uh, of belonging as, a, as an alumnus or an, alum, an alumna, uh, we think that that type of meeting place is really important. I mean, all of us who remember are from going to college, hanging out at, at – with. A place where you could just you could just chat with your friends and 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 uh, and socialize and and that that's a kind of an important part of the college experience when you think about it. So they they need money and uh, we have some money that which which we'll, we're going to uh, make available to them and we're going to try to do some more fundraising to help them uh, realize that. That uh, is another example of something that we can do as a foundation, which which doesn't become a budget item for you folks. Uh, and uh, recognizing how difficult uh, the budgets can be the, uh, we are also in the in advancing in, the, in planning the what we hope to be a dramatic expansion of the VWt program uh, and and that is sponsoring that expansion uh, we 're not going to have anything to do with operating it or, or otherwise uh, but uh, we 've had some really we 've assembled an ad hoc group of people from the industry and we 're uh, we 've got we 've got the, I'm starting to get the shape of something when we get something that 's very specific which should be within the next couple of weeks we will present it to this board because obviously nothing nothing we will do nothing without having the the understanding and approval uh, of the board but what we 're hoping for is to create a a, a kind of a a, a wine institute or some kind of uh, some kind of uh, entity which is part of the college, but which has a, a sort of a, of a sense of identity of its own, and that sense of identity hopefully will provide some buy in from members of the of the wine industry so that they can feel like they're part of the school, thereby increasing the amount of relationship between the community at large. And the college, and so that's our our overarching goal as a foundation. So, uh, uh, thanks for uh, giving me a couple of minutes. I think I took less time than it takes to uh, to ride a bicycle from downtown Joe's to the (laughs) campus. But thank you.
0: Thank you, Bill.
12: Yeah, thanks a lot, Bill. (laughs) Um, Let's move to vice presidents, if we can. And uh, Oscar, you want to start?
14: Okay, Thank you. Yeah, just, uh, just, uh, just a couple of things I want to share with you. Uh, first of all, this, this spring semester the, the counseling division will be offering um, other counseling classes at more high schools than they have in the past. Uh, we plan on offering uh, a counseling one, one, 100, which is a course that, uh, that Laura started here. Um, at Napa High School, Vintage High School, if all goes well, also at Valley Oak. So we're hoping that that's going to increase our, our, our enrollments and also the exposure uh, to, to Napa LA College. The thing too is that last week, Jolie St. Clair and the Welcome Center uh, hosted a group of sixty kids from from uh, Redwood Middle School. Um, these kids were here to, to tour for about three hours worth uh, of, their, of their day. But what's what's nice is that is that uh, the the comments that these kids leave uh, with us uh, are very encouraging. And they talk about how they how uh, they like this place? How they've never been here before? How this is a new experience for 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 them? And we've been um, we we've been inviting mid- middle schools for about the last three years. and been very successful at it. In fact, Redwood right, right mid- Middle School will be back in March. Except this time, they'll be here with three hundred and fifty kids. Uh, we've also have, have hosted uh, Harvest Middle School as well as uh, Silverado. So my belief is that this is how you plant you know, the, the seeds of of, of of education. You plant them early. Um, because this is where some kids start to actually think about college. Because sometimes you reach them when they're seniors or juniors. It's not too, uh, too late, but it doesn't allow enough time to re-prepare them, them, themselves for a college experience. So it's early outreach, I think it's very, very valuable. And hopefully it will prove to be uh, a pipeline uh, for Napoli College in the next uh, six, seven, eight years. And just one, one, one last comment. Um, uh, just, just, just to uh, follow on some of the comments that were made by Diane and by, uh, by, by Amanda, with reference to the struggles of our students. This afternoon, uh, I met with with my staff from the health uh, from, from from the health center, and they are very preoccupied, uh, very concerned about the scary, scary uh, increase in symptoms of of of, of depression and um, things of that nature, su- suicidal thoughts. And so we're going to arrange for a series of work- workshops to be offered through the beginning of, of the semester throughout the semester. In other words, not just at the very end like now, but, but start sharing this information as to how these students can, 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 can get help, how they can uh, feel that this is a place where they can uh, receive that assistance. So, so I agree with you. There, there, are, there are problems that our students are truly really struggling with. So, uh, so thank you.
10: Thank you, Oscar. GOOD EVENING, Um, SO I'M GOING TO TALK TO YOU A LITTLE BIT ABOUT ENROLLMENT um, AND I PUT ON YOUR DESK IN FRONT OF YOU A HANDOUT. SO I'M GOING TO WALK YOU THROUGH PART OF THIS. I'M NOT GOING TO GO THROUGH IT IN ALL DETAIL. Um, BUT SO IF YOU LOOK AT THE TABLE ON THE FRONT, um, BASICALLY WHAT THAT TABLE IS DOING IS SHOWING YOU ENROLLMENTS FOR SPRING 16 AND COMPARING THOSE TO SPRING 15. Uh, so that you can get an idea of how we're doing this year compared to last year. If you just go to the last line of that, that that's actually today's numbers. And so um, as of this morning, uh, we had 12,153 enrollments. And so realize what enrollments are is a student enrolled in a class. Um, and, and so that that 12,000 enrollments is basically by, you'll see two columns, Further over THREE COLUMNS FURTHER OVER THE HEAD COUNT, SO THAT'S 4200 STUDENTS BASICALLY THAT ARE ENROLLED IN THOSE NUMBER OF SEATS. Um, THAT'S uh, 57% OF OUR CAP. Um, SO WE WILL uh, OBVIOUSLY ACHIEVE uh, GREATER THAN 60% OF CAP BEFORE uh, WE GO AWAY FOR CHRISTMAS. I'M HOPING IT WILL BE A LITTLE HIGHER THAN THAT. Um, WHAT THE NUMBERS ABOVE THAT ARE SHOWING IS IT'S SHOWING THE ENROLLMENTS AT THE END OF EACH OF OUR PRIORITY POINTS. Um, so priority one, priority A, B, C, D, E, F, and g that's all in the second column there. and then the next column over shows the number of students in there um, and gives you the percent fill. So you can just kind of track that as well as with head counts and the number of students on the wait list. And then the right part of this compares the, that to the number of students that were enrolled at each of those priority end of each of those priority periods in spring. Um, the take home lesson is that we 're behind and compared to spring and it and it has kind of jumped around depending on which priority period we 're in so we 've been behind currently we 're behind we 're at about seventy five percent compared to where we were uh, at the end of priority f for last spring um, we We changed some things a little bit, and in that portion of the Um, uh, OF THE TABLE, YOU'LL SEE THE DATES WHERE EACH OF THOSE PRIORITY PERIODS ENDED LAST SPRING, AND THOSE DATES ARE THEN IN THE VERY FIRST COLUMN uh, ON THE LEFT FOR THIS SPRING. And, AND WHAT WE DID WAS WE ACTUALLY COMPACTED IT A LITTLE BIT MORE SO THAT WE INCREASED THE RATE OF MOVING FROM ONE PRIORITY PERIOD TO ANOTHER. Um, that was uh, um, work that happened between the Office of Instruction and, and Student Services, uh, especially missions and records, uh, looking at data and showing that we were we actually, I would argue, were allowing more time for each priority period because you would see it basically level off and there would be no more enrollments. And so what we were trying to do was to open the door for all students before we went away for Christmas. And so then at that point, all students, no matter what their priority, would be able to start enrolling before the Christmas break. Um, registration is open over Christmas break, so th- those students that that um, have time to do it during Christmas can can they don't have to wait for us to come back on January fifth. Um, we'll, we'll see how the numbers are during the, the Christmas break. Um, it's uh, it starts to pick up as we get closer to January. Um, and, and so we'll see what those things are. But, but currently, we're, as the, the last column shows, we're, we're about 25% behind where um, we were at a similar point of this um, at, um, in, in, in regard to the priority period as, as we were last year. Um, that, that is shown in the second page visually for those of you who prefer pictures as opposed to numbers. Um, that's for Amanda. Um, and, and so th- this basically just shows that same data, but in graphical form. And so the top one is spring 16. The bottom one is spring 15. Y- you see those, those bumps, that those shoulders that keep going up, and those show the various priority periods. So you'll see that there's a, when we start a priority period, it's a pretty rapid increase, and then that levels off, and then you'll see another rapid increase. That's the start of the next priority period. You'll also, if you compare, I tried as best I could to line them up So that they're lined up by dates, not by priority periods. And you'll see especially um, priority one, which is for um, vets, COPS, um, uh, CalWORKs, DSPNS, students, and foster youth. That's the first time period. And you'll see uh, last spring we gave a two-week period. This spring we only gave a one-week period. Um, and, and and then all the other ones were about one week, except you'll see right in the middle there's one that's a longer two-week period as well. And so those are what we condense so that we would allow to get through that cycle again before we go away for for um, Christmas or the holidays. The The next page, which is very complicated, and I'm not going to try to walk you through the whole thing, um, but this is kind of uh, cutting to the chase of where we are in enrollments in regard to the generation of FTS. Um, and so the top the top table is basically showing you our goals from the standpoint of base, which uh, our base is fifty six fifty one. Our growth is it's 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 really about eighty five point five. And so if we are trying to achieve base plus growth, we have to generate around fifty seven thirty seven FTEs. Um, Then there are three tables, and basically the first table is where we are um, based on two days ago, um, on the 8th, or three days ago. Um, The summer and fall numbers are – well, the summer numbers are in the book, so that is what we earn for summer, and that won't change. The fall number uh, for most of that, um, I should say, uh, parts of that is also in the book. So what's listed under credit for fall 15, um, that that's what it is. That's that th- those are classes that are based on census, and we've passed census, so those numbers won't change. Um, what will change a little bit are what's labeled pack, that's positive attendance credit, and NC, which is non-credit, because those are positive attendance classes, both of those, and we actually won't know those numbers until those classes are done and the faculty have submitted the hours and, and so that won't happen until the semester is over. Um, these are numbers that are based on um, uh, estimates um, from previous years but also estimates on Sorry. Estimate um, estimates on um, the number of students that are enrolled and the the usual retention that happens in those classes. So so those numbers aren't going to change a whole lot. They're they're fairly they're fairly accurate, but they will change a little bit. Um, springs and summer 16 numbers are are predictions, basically based on uh, the the um, basically the the FTS that can potentially be generated by the class schedule that we built. And that's true, both for the credit classes as well as the positive attendance and non-credit. Um, and and those estimates, then that's what changes between those three tables. And and so the top table is estimating that we'll have eighty-five percent of of the enrollments in. I, I'm sorry that that I'm sorry that we'll have seventy percent of enrollment in our classes. And seventy percent is where we were. Um, uh, last fall, uh, we achieved around 70-72%. Um, last spring, that's where we were, um, at the beginning of the semester, although we jumped up to 75 through the, um, the, the, the two-week, uh, enrollment period that we had. Um, but this is assuming that we had 70%, then that would be what we would generate. The key is in the, the, BLACK OUTLINE BOX BELOW THAT, That IF THOSE NUMBERS ARE REAL, AND IF WE DO A SIMILAR SUMMER AS WHAT WE DID LAST YEAR, WHICH GENERATED 424 FTS, THEN WE'LL BE 412 FTS SHORT OF BASE. Um, THAT'S NOT GOOD. Um, THE the SECOND TABLE DOWN IS BASICALLY TAKING uh, THE DIFFERENCE IS uh, INCREASING THE SPRING ESTIMATES TO 75.07, WHICH IS WHAT WE ACHIEVED AT THE END OF THE LATE ad PERIOD FOR LAST SPRING. And then also assuming that we'll do a little bit better in our positive attendance uh, numbers, and and so by doing, and then also the third thing is increasing our summer a little bit. So you'll see that summer's 500 in this graph, in this chart, as opposed to the 424. Um, If if we do all of that, which is, that's all probably achievable, um, then we'll be 188 uh, uh, short of base. The third one is basically the scenario of what we would probably have to do to achieve base. And, and what the difference are in that basically is that we would need to achieve 82% cap of our, our, of our scheduled class, currently scheduled classes, an average 82%. That doesn't mean every class has to be that, but on average they'd have to be 82%. And that we'd have to generate 80% of the potential positive attendance Um, and and again, have a larger summer. And if we did that, 1.8 short, basically what I'm saying is we would would reach base. Um, There are a number of aspects to that. Um, uh, Improved marketing, um, uh, being sure that the schedule of classes that we have is what students need. Um, That is part of the conversation that Amanda and Diane are talking about in regard to us looking at the schedule and with the possibility of canceling some classes. Um, The intent of that are canceling very low-enrolled classes that we believe, based on historical numbers, will will not improve. Um, Many of the classes that they are referring to that have late Late ads, um, we will use that data and those classes would not be canceled. So it's not like there's a blanket canceling going on that anything that's below 10 right now will be canceled because some of those we know historically do pick up and, and we will use that data um, to help guide whether we cancel classes or not. Um, but part of the point is that I need to find ways to improve enrollments and to, and to achieve that FTS. And part of that is looking at our wait list right now um, on that first On the very first table, you'll see there's a waitlist column on there, and it shows there are 453 students currently on waitlists. There are a set of classes that are very much in demand, and they're the usual list, um, English, Math, uh, Biology, Chemistry, and Speech. There are many issues in offering more of those classes and, and probably with, with most of those, it's finding, um, qualified faculty to do it. The, um, so, so adding more of those classes is something that we desire to do. Um, we, we really need to probably cut classes that are, We believe, based on data, won't fill so that we can use the funds that we would have used for those classes to be able to offer other classes that we know there are students that are interested in because we have wait lists to show that. Um, And so that's some of the work that Instruction Council will be doing before we go away. Um, They won't complete that work before we go away for the winter break. That will be finished um, in the weeks before the semester starts. Um, In regard to the concern about canceling classes early as opposed to late. Um, Part of the reason we do that is, as I just indicated, so that we can use those funds for adding other classes. But the other part of it is actually for students. Because if you cancel a class the first week of school, then their options are very limited um, to add another class. Um, the classes that they might need are, are going to be full already, um, and so what their options are, um, are are limited. And so part of it is, is um, basically d- doing it early enough that allows students to still have a choice and to still be able to um, uh, fill their schedule with classes that they need. Um, I'll answer any questions on any of the data that's here. Marianne, and then go ahead, Marianne. On the first page? Whatever page. So, well, okay. Okay.
7: okay. Oh, sorry, Joanne. Okay. Um, so, what I'm not understanding is under spring 2015 where it says today. So, I'm guessing that that. So, today
10: is today. And and what I'm comparing is today of spring 2016 is 1210, the equivalent day in 20 in spring 2015 was December 11th, okay. And and so there were 11,917 students enrolled. On December 11th in uh, the spring 2015, for the spring 2015 semester compared to 12,153. So that looks like we're ahead because it says we're at 102% of, but that's because we're off sync with the priority period and we're ahead in the priority period. More students can register now than could then. And so the real Comparison is the one. Um, the The closer comparison is the one under that that would be three, um, two up. So the uh, mm-hmm. December seventh mm-hmm. one, and so December seventh we had eleven thousand one hundred twenty compared to that same day in the priority registration period for spring fifteen, which was January fifth. And on January fifth of last year, there were fourteen thousand seven hundred students registered. So that we are actually at seventy-five percent of what we were at, the, at that same point in the prior to registration period as we were last year.
7: So, but couldn't that also play into, I guess, a little bit about what they're saying as far as that that date is after the first of the year? That
10: that that could be yes. Okay. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I said a little bit in what I said in regard to the concerns that Diana and Amanda have raised. And, and Amanda and I have talked a lot about this um, pri- prior to tonight. Um, the, the deans and division chairs are sharing a draft of our process that we're going to use for canceling classes with faculty to get faculty input. Um, that um, we we are still drafting it. It's not set in stone yet. We're still collecting the data that we will be using before we do blanket cuts of any sort. And we're not we're not doing large cuts. I mean, um, and and so the number of cuts that will actually happen probably before we go away will probably be fairly small. Most of it will be happening um, in January w- when we come back. Um, but but where it's clear that there are areas that we believe we've overscheduled based on the data, then we would be canceling those classes now so that we could then use those funds to try to offer classes in areas where um, th- there's, there are, are wait lists. And I, I mentioned the areas. Um, and, and and before we do that even, we're in conversations with those deans and division chairs about whether or not they have pool of faculty to be able to offer those classes. And for some of those classes, it's not just faculty, it's also facilities. You need a you need a chemistry lab for chemistry. You need, you need a biology lab for biology. And, and so there's limitations on on those. Thank you. Amy?
9: Oh, that was the same question.
12: Okay.
10: okay. Yeah. Thank you.
12: I guess just, Alyssa, if you wanted to, this is your last time at the rodeo here. Yep. <laughs>
15: I, uh, I I I want to thank Bill Hardy um, in, in his absence for referring to me um, as a difficult person to replace, and not, not just a difficult person for a where minute. Was, I was way. there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, "Come on, Bill! <laughs> I have some um, good attributes as well." Um, it has been an enormous um, honor and privilege to work with all of you um, on behalf of our students and our community here. I, the best part of my job is I get to work across um, the entire institution and out in the external community in external affairs, government work, all sorts of things. And um, it's really something that I have a great deal of passion for. Um, And I look around the room and I'm going to miss each and every one of you. But I am not leaving Napa. Um, And I know that I will um, still be very involved um, in the college and in the community. I have two young daughters. Um, and I am a lifelong <clears throat> proponent of education and public education and um, high-quality everything. So, um, you know, you might be hearing from me as a community member at some point. Boy, that's going to be interesting, huh? <laughs> um, but I, I look around the table here and I I think about, you know, faculty who I've had the um, privilege of working with to raise money for um, programs and students um, I look at you all as trustees, and getting to know you as individuals, um, and as community members that care about what goes on here in the college. Um, I look at VPs. I look at Glenna and Laura over there, and I, I am just so um, honored to have had the privilege of working with you, um, and sometimes banging heads with you. Um, but really, thank you very, very much, um, Ron. Um, I have so enjoyed um, working as your, I think, maybe left foot sometimes, um, right hand at moments, um, and the the team that is Carolee, you, um, and and I, and the OIA staff, um, a very, very big shout out. Um, all the classified um, personnel who I've had the opportunity to work with. Um, I'm not retiring, so I don't it's kind of people don't really understand why I'm, I'm leaving, but I do have a really great opportunity for me personally um, that will allow me to stay in Napa and that um, has me working in the arts. Um, so I'll tell you more about that at some point once I start it, um, but I need to finish a few things here. Um, in the report that I have prepared for you, This general sort of website data, I I do want to point out to you that we have one more direct mailing that we're going to be doing. We did a series of three postcards. Uh, I don't have a sample of that third postcard for you just yet. Um, I should have um, brought it, but I did not. Um, The third postcard will be going out at the beginning of January, and it is um, bilingual, actually, and it will be, do you need job skills or career technical education? And we'll focus on that element of our curriculum offerings um, each of those postcard has been directly mailed to all 43,000 residential postal customers in Napa County. In addition to um, those direct mailings, we have um, had printed collateral in the form of our course catalog, the abridged, spring, it's not Corpus Catalong. the Bridge spring schedule that's been distributed out into the community um, at information tablings and also um, at the high schools um, with our counseling staff and a lot of um, the staff that works in student services. Um, we've been using social media um, continuously and there's some data on that in the report. Um, we're at the point now where we're doing boosted posts, meaning the advertised um, Facebook postings largely around um, boosting enrollment in specific low enrolled classes. Um, we've started doing that with some history classes. We will be doing that with some physical education, with some arts classes, with language classes, English as a second language, and those are pretty effective because we will reach between um, 7,000 to 20,000 people um, who we know are interested in Napa Valley College already. Um, in a period uh, as short as uh, a week, Um, and those become focused. We get that content from instruction where we we ask them, what's low enrolled, what do you need us to um, promote? One of the tricks of marketing is making sure that if we're marketing it, that it's actually available when people come to get it. And so that's sort of the catch-22 in terms of if we start um, canceling courses we need to make sure that we aren't marketing them at the same time. So that communication is essential, and my staff is, is working with instructions um, staff on that as well. Um, There's some samples of ads in the report. I always forget how to scroll through this here. Can I this one? No. Nope. Okay, that's really intuitive. All right, with some sample um, advertisements. We are running um, spots, audio spots spots with this as a visual on Pandora, um, reaching um, in Sonoma, Solano, and Napa counties um, with a target of um, 1,666,668 um, impressions. We've reached so far in the campaign um, about a half a million, Uh, made half a million impressions, it's probably a good use of advertising dollars. Uh, We won't really know whether the results will be effective until later, because that's the thing about advertising. It's very difficult to measure. What we're advertising now might result in enrollments for the summer or next fall. Um, but um, I, I would say it is a habit of behavior here that people wait till the, after the holidays to make decisions about what they're doing in the new year. Um, it's a little different than other places. Um, we also are running ads in um, the uh, um, Sonoma State Star um, appealing to um, four-year um, students who are needing to finish their general um, Okay, now, now it's not working. Here we go. Um, who are finishing their, um, degrees and maybe need to pick up some more, um, credits. Um, and we have, um, sent this out bilingual, um, Peach Jar announcement to NBUSD students and parents. And, um, Amy, did you get this? Because we tried to, it used to be that Peach Jar, we could ask for the distribution to, um, all NBUSD staff. It doesn't seem to be an option anymore. Um, but that did go out, uh, on Peach Jar. Um, two days before um, walk-in registration and high school registration, which was on December 8th. Um, and I'm trying to show you one more thing. Um, that's an ad that's in Napa Valley Marketplace. Napa Valley Marketplace is a free flyer, uh, fleet, free magazine format, kind of like a, um, penny saver type thing if you're not familiar with it already. But it's mailed directly to 43,000 postal customers. So people are getting some of the same information, um, in different ways. And we'll be running an ad in January as well, um, in Napa Valley Marketplace. Um, we, we continue to, um, reach out to, um, more diverse, um, audiences. Um, we, uh, took an ad out in the Phil Am, meaning Filipino American star. Um, and we keep going. There's the peach jar one. Um, and also have an ad in Napa Valley Life magazine, um, there are uh, spots running in Mark theaters um, that with the new enrollment dates for spring. And our Vine buses continue to rumble around the county. So on that note, that's the marketing that we're doing. Um, it is important to figure out what we want to market, what we have available, and making sure that when people come to us for those things, we still have them. Um, It's great that the outreach that the um, Welcome Center staff is doing, I know that they need tour guides for these middle school groups coming in in March again. And what happens is that one middle school hears that that 250 middle school students are coming and then they all come. And I know Dan, you were one of the tour guides last year. It was great seeing you out there. Um, If you have the ability to volunteer during the day to be a, a guide for these campus visits in the spring, please come. Um, ASNBC did a fantastic job um, last year as well with that. So please talk to Oscar, who will hook you up with Jolie Sinclair. And that is a kind of a desperate appeal from her as well. So I promised her that I would put that pitch in. Um, Lots of events going on. Um, I think you all know about the Viticulture and Winery Technology um, post-harvest networking event. Um, It's a $15 at the door kind of thing, but we do like to know if you're coming um, that's this Saturday at the Napa General Store from 6 to 9. Um, had a really great day yesterday at Whole Foods. It was a shop and support day in support of our viticulture and winery technology program. NBC's, NBC Estate wines are now being sold in the North Napa Whole Foods. Um, lots of different people stopped by and said hello. Um, and uh, we're very happy to see this partnership with a business in the community in support of the VWT program. Um, a couple things that, that um, Bill Hardy forgot to mention that are actually really important and Glenna might want to weigh in on here. This morning, the uh, foundation um, received its annual report from Casolius, um, Wilson, um, uh, uh, Dominguez, and Levitt. Did I get that right? Yeah, all those initials there. Our auditors presented the annual audit report for the 1415 uh, 15 fiscal year with um, an unqualified opinion, and I know that that doesn't sound really fantastic, but it basically means that it was um, factually uh, correct, materially complete, um, and the highest uh, and cleanest form of audit, meaning no problems. Um, Glenn, do you want to add anything to that? No, thank you. Okay, um, and, uh, I'm, I'm wrapping up some things, uh, around that and, and in January, Bill, I think, will be presenting you some more information about what money was spent, how much it was, and where it went so that you understand a little bit better, um, the value of the, um, foundation. Um, And it's fundraising. Um, An equivalent will also be done with the District Auxiliary Services Foundation um, because, as you know, the foundation stewards endowments, meaning permanently restricted monies, and scholarships, and then any special initiatives that they um, initiate. But other program support is coming in through District Auxiliary Services. Um, I think that's about it. Um, Does anyone have any final questions for me? I know you're going to miss my reports. I just, I, I know it. Anything. Thank you so much for the privilege of serving you. Ever the ever the polite student, Gabe raised his hand.
16: You're not going to Rio, right? I, uh, I, I keep hearing the rumor that you're. I,
15: I am going to Brazil, and I, I'm going to Brazil in a month to start my new position. Though I am be based here in Napa, but I'll be working for a private family foundation called the Sacatar Foundation, which is incorporated here in California, um, but which funds a intercultural international artist residency program in bahia brazil um, and uh, i will be working um, in the united states building capacity for that foundation and building its board because it it really is only three people right now and they want to take it to the next level so that's what i'm being hired to do All
16: right. Well, right i'll see you around
15: okay thank you
0: Thank you, Lissa. you Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes. Not long enough, though. <laughs> 10.0 approval of minutes. 10.1 October 8, 2015, regular meeting. Is there a motion on the floor? So moved. What is so moved? What motion?
16: <laughs> you got me there. I motion to approve uh, both minutes as they stand revised.
8: Thank Second. you. Second. I have, but well, on one, correction.
7: I have one, one correction, Carolee, on uh, my report on October 8th about Chrysler and Associates. Chrysler is just spelled K-R-E-Y-S-L-E-R, not like the not like the car, Chrysler, but K-R-E-Y-S-L-E-R. For,
9: for mine, Carolee, um, Thank you for crossing out educational programs. But you can leave the other part. I did say that, and I think that. So for 12.3, my trustee report.
17: Um, Which
9: one? 12.3. So you crossed out educational programs and put development of a hotel on campus, and that's the change I wanted, but the rest can stay.
17: And was that in November, Amy, or October?
9: October. Oh, aren't we doing October right now?
17: October. Actually, the motion was for both.
18: Well, I, I have to abstain from one, so we need to yeah, separate the them.
0: Was okay, for was I thought we were just doing October. I yeah, thought well, we were just doing
9: October. Well, can we? Amend the motion, and oh, who seconded? Time, and the so I move to amend the motion to just approve October
16: eighth.
8: Well, we have a motion on the floor, don't we? So uh, I'm amending. You want, I'll withdraw my second
16: if you want to withdraw. I'm amending you. it. I approve of the amendment.
0: So we're only doing October right now. So, any other comments or questions regarding October?
16: Um, I had a comments about October twenty seconds. Um, I know they're not up for um, for approval right now, but it, in the roll call it says I was present. I actually wasn't present for that meeting, so um, I, I don't know. Just
0: well, we felt your presence. But yeah,
16: you might have felt it, but I wasn't there. So, I mean, uh, to me, I, it doesn't matter to me if I'm marked. But I just wanted to. I don't know. If it really matters to anybody else in the community, then that might want to be changed. But thank you.
17: The board can give me direction to make that correction of errata.
0: Okay. Okay, so with those comments and corrections, all in favor of approving the October minutes, signify by saying aye. 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 Abstain. Okay. Okay. Uh, so... 10.2, November 12, 2015, regular meeting. Is there a motion regarding those minutes from anyone?
7: So move to approve November meeting minutes.
0: Is there a second? Second. On the question, any, Amy? Um, just one thing, 11.5,
9: um, the correction. Um, let's see. Can you cross out? additional because there actually is no, right now, no approval required for in-state travel outside of 50 miles. So, so it, it just, if you could cross out additional.
17: Okay. And is that the correction you were mentioning earlier?
9: No, the earlier one was the, um, about the hotel.
17: That's in your board report? Yeah,
9: board report.
17: So that was in October. Yeah.
9: It was basically just crossing out educational programs but in place and putting the hotel but the rest can stay. And then for this one just crossing out additional.
0: Anything else for the November minutes? Okay, all in favor of approving the November mi- minutes with the suggested uh, um, changes?
17: I think you have to revise the motion to incorporate the newly identified changes?
11: I'll motion to oh, okay. approve based on the revisions. Can't
0: Wait a minute. That. Wait a minute. I accept the amendment.
19: Well, My second stands.
0: Okay. Now, all in favor of approving minutes as, with the corrections, amendments, suggestions, and other comments, uh, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Okay. 11.0 Information Discussion Items. 11.1 Institutional Effectiveness, Core Indicators Report, and Data Aligned Institutional Mission. Dr. Robin Warnall.
20: Good evening. Uh, let's see. Last year, the Office of Research, Planning, and Institutional Effectiveness and the Planning Committee developed two reports to help ensure that the college meets or exceeds accreditation standards associated with the regular review of data as related to institutional mission. The two reports included in the agenda packet tonight, those are the Core Indicators Report and the Data Aligned with Institutional Mission Report, are designed to address at least three of the accreditation standards. Within the standards related to mission, standard 1A2 reads, the institution uses data to determine how effectively it is accomplishing its mission and whether the mission directs institutional priorities in meeting the educational needs of students. Within the standards related to academic quality and institutional effectiveness, standard 1B3 states, the institution establishes institution-set standards for student achievement appropriate to its mission assesses how well it is achieving them in pursuit of continuous improvement and publishes this information. And within the standards associated with the governing board, standard 4C8 states, to ensure the institution is accomplishing its goals for student success, the governing board regularly reviews key indicators of student learning and achievement and institutional plans for improving academic quality. Uh, These reports were developed in 2014-2015 and now have been established as regular reports that are reviewed by the Planning Committee, presented to the Board of Trustees, and shared with the campus community each year. The Core Indicators Report compares MVC's 2014-2015 performance on student achievement outcomes against the institution-set standards defining academic quality. In spring 2013, MVC identified institution-set standards on the five indicators included in the report. The institution-set standards are intended to identify our our expectations regarding performance at the institutional level, and if we should ever fall below the established threshold, then it should trigger some kind of institutional response to implement strategies to improve performance. The core indicators report provides a snapshot of MVC's recent performance relative to the institution-set standards. This one-page snapshot provides information that board members can share with constituents in the community. All of the institutions that standards were met in 2014-15, and research analyst Chris Farmer will provide some detail about the report, including information that is posted on the college website. So I'm going to turn it over to Chris.
2: Hello again. So I'm just going to take you on a tour of the research website again because Well, I like showing it off. So I'm going to open this in a new tab. So if we're on our main page, we can go under College Governance to Planning. And then over here, we see Research and Data Analysis. And the core indicators is under what we call our internal report section. So these are the board reports over here that you get. These are our iPads, and if you scroll down here, these are institutional reports that we've been tracking the last few years this link uh, is to the actual website Uh, you notice this is the look that you have on the pdf but then if you hover over these guys you'll notice they're actually live so these four things up here these are the ones with the actual set standards and the colors of the circle correspond to the colors over here the checks just give us an idea that we are above those standards And then down here in this box, it breaks those standards down into a series of smaller... uh, Now, these don't have standards set for them yet, but a series of smaller data points to give you an idea of, say, within basic skills, where is successful course completion compared to the rest of the institution. Now, uh, for those of you that like trends you can click on one of these and it skips you down to the bottom of the page and it gives you a four-year trend and a bit of a scorecard look to let you know how things are going. I'm not going to go uh, too in-depth into a lot of these. One thing I do want to point out real quick, because it's a common source of confusion, this uh, measure right here is degree and certificate recipients. So that's number of individuals, whereas if you come down here, this is actually the number of degrees and certificates, so one student could actually receive more than one certificate. So where it says recipients is talking about individuals versus number of certificates. And I think I'll hand the microphone back to Dr. Warnell. Okay. Very, uh,
20: nice. Sec-
21: very nice, Chris. That's Very nice job. Uh,
20: the second report associated with this agenda item is the data aligned with institutional mission document. And Carly, could you... Hold that one up, please. Um, so this report is intended to encourage dialogue and facilitate evaluation of accomplishments related to the institutional mission. Uh, this report was discussed at three planning committee meetings this semester. Committee members participated in an evaluation of MVC's performance, identifying areas of strength and continued improvement. The results of that evaluation are highlighted at the beginning of the document, um, and I call your attention specifically to pages one through three. Um, Some of the areas of strength include MVC's performance on the student success scorecard. Approximately half of our students with a goal of degree, certificate, or transfer achieved at least one of those goals within five years. MVC has conferred more than 800 degrees and certificates on average over the past five years. And job placement rates among completers of career technical programs has exceeded or have exceeded uh, 80%, and that's also a five-year average. Um, Some of the areas for improvement that we identified, um, including expansion of information and future uh, data aligned with institutional mission reports, include um, a need for more outcomes assessment data, um, and that includes the results of student learning outcomes assessment Uh, Identify measurable objectives aligned with the institution and as to help demonstrate commitment to student learning, student achievement, and improvement. And uh, performance on the ESL progress rate indicator included in the student success scorecard. Uh, Last year, the core indicators report and the data aligned with institutional mission were presented to the board in the spring. At that time, I indicated that we planned to shift the reports to the fall so that they could be incorporated into the planning committee's review of data to help inform the development of the annual planning priorities. And I am pleased to report that that improvement has been implemented according to schedule. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Or Chris is also here if you have questions about data.
9: question. I, th- I think I'm, I'm guessing what it means, but I'm just wondering. Um, Mapping, it says um, NBC needs to move beyond mapping to focus on results. I'm, I'm trying to guess, I'm guessing what it means, but could you explain what yeah, mapping so is? so it's,
20: it's um, what we refer to in student learning outcomes world as curriculum mapping, and so it's uh, the infrastructure within TrackDat allows us to link our course-level outcomes to our program-level outcomes to our institutional-level outcomes. And so one of the pieces of information about each ILO that's uh, reported here um, contains the number of uh, courses that have actually been mapped Um, But that's really a kind of, as I mentioned, an infrastructural um, exercise that needs to be accomplished, and what we want to get to is a place where we can look at outcomes assessment results and determine how students are performing on each of those ILOs. Yeah,
9: I wanted to compliment you. I I loved this document, especially the focus on measurable goals and focusing on results, not just what people are doing, but are students actually learning and achieving, and so I really liked that shift. And... um, and I could see why, based on that shift, why you're now looking at the mission to kind of look at, make it a mission that's results-based, too. Because right now it seems like the mission's kind of like, this is what the college is, this is what we offer, as opposed to, again, more results-based. Like, that the mission is to help students attain their educational and career goals, which could be measured. So is that kind of why we're re-looking at the mission, to make it kind of more... The result that you want rather than what the college is doing
20: yeah so um, so let me just clarify a little bit so the data line with institutional mission is meant to um, ensure that we review our mission and our accomplishments on an annual basis and as I mentioned that's been introduced last year the um, the review and, and likely revision of the mission statement that's occurring this year is part of our regular review process that's that indicates that every three years we will undergo a comprehensive review of our mission, but the idea is that the data align with institutional mission could trigger a more um, you know more uh, frequent um, update if needed if we find that we're based on the data in the report that we're deviating um, from our established mission so
9: yeah I i I'd, I'd noticed before that like I said, it seemed like the mission's kind of like this is what we do rather than you know like if, it seems like this, the college's mission is whatever the student's mission is, and their mission is to attain their educational and career goals, so i don't know if that's part of the discussion, but anyway, I just wanted to put in my two cents about that
0: uh, go ahead, Diana.
1: So Robin, I just wanted to make sure because it doesn't look does this include the non-transcripted low unit skills builder certificates data? No. So and the reason I asked that is you may recall about three, four months ago, I asked this board why the hundred and twenty some certificates that we awarded the previous year were not included in this data. And so in fourteen fifteen the CFS&E program awarded 111 Skills Builder certificates. And I happen to sit on the Evoke Educational Research um, Committee for the Chancellor's Office. And I happen to mention that I can't get my local college to include this data in our... In our um, in our data, our skills builders certificates and our non-transcripted certificates and our college data, particularly when that particular committee has worked very hard to make changes in the system to include that that data in on the scorecards for the local colleges and what this person replied back to me is have you asked your institution why they are calling your students failures instead of successes and so i would like to ask once again that the skills builders data for our cte programs in the low unit certificates start being included as successes in the colleges data to accurately reflect the successes of our students
20: Okay, and I, I just want to um, call your attention to that on page 18, we do identify that the source of the information as our MIS awards files that we submit to the Chancellor's Office. I don't know enough about um, wh- what might be included in our submissions and how that might be filtered um, either before it's submitted or on their end before it's included in our final um, awards files. So I'm not sure if those are... And, and I don't know the status about, um, you know, Chancellor's Office approval of those because it might be that... Um, what's reported is, as you mentioned, a subset of all of our degrees and certificates.
1: The um, the Skills Builder certificates are locally approved certificates. They just are not Chancellor's Office approved because they're either under 12 or are... Un- or- they can be over 12 and be approved, but not all of those certificates at NAPA are actually go to the chancellor's office. There is some conversation around how we can get that in the chancellor's office MIS data, but local colleges are actually including it in their own local college data because it actually can be used to affect Perkins dollars in addition to showing the successes of our students in the scorecard. Uh,
20: and we can, uh, you know, I'm happy to, Chris and I are happy to work with you on uh, that. It's just a matter of the 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 source that we happen to use for this report, right. and we're happy right. to and it's
1: just, the, the report itself is great because I do like these kinds of numbers, but the college hasn't hasn't yeah. you know i've been saying this for like three years,
20: and so it's not any it, it's, it wasn't an intentional oversight on our part we went with the oh i don't i don't believe it was, was, is at all
1: yeah.
12: <laughs> I would weigh in and say that I'm, I'm talking with a couple of colleagues, but David over at Moran and and some other areas and we're, and we just addressed this, so I'll i'll see if I can get a another a better insight and then, and then connect with you and Terry on this and, and whoever is more, you know, the most responsible and bring it. Yeah.
2: And if I could comment real quick, uh, just to point out the certificates of completion, we, one of the limitations we have is we don't have them actually stored within our system anywhere that I can get at. They're not in DataTel. They're, mm. they're not kept anywhere. I believe it's kind of within the program. So, I mean, I would be more than happy to put any certificates in here if I could get the data.
10: Most of it is in the Office of Instruction, so um, you're right. It's not It's not in DataTel or CricketNet um, or any of those places, but there, there, we do have records of it, and so there is no reason why we couldn't add it. I, I'd just like to also note, so that the board knows, and, and I'm sure Diana knows this, but uh, currently the Systems Advisory Committee on Curriculum is discussing um, lowering the unit value of Chancellor Office-approved um, certificates so that these will be chancellor's office approved and and there it's not that we would then would be part of our MIS data but but also that it would then be transcriptable because right now we provide a certificate for students to take with them Um, if they lose that certificate they have no proof they ever earned it because it's not on their transcript and so the chancellor's office is considering actually going down as as low as six or eight units to have transcriptable certificates
0: Thank you. So don't go away. You're up next at 11.2, the annual progress report on the strategic plan.
20: Okay. Let's see here. Okay. So um, along with the two institutional effectiveness reports, effectiveness reports that were just presented, the annual progress report represents another report that is intended to help monitor performance and help create a common understanding of our strengths as well as areas for improvement. Um, And I'd like to point out that Mary Shea, the faculty co-chair of the planning committee, was scheduled to present this agenda item with me. However, she was not available to attend the meeting this evening, and she sends her regrets. Uh, Each year, the Office of Research Planning and Institutional Effectiveness, which is also known as RIPI, uh, compiles a progress report on the Institutional Strategic Plan. The 2014-15 progress report was distributed with the agenda for this meeting. Uh, The accomplishments that are summarized in the report were provided by instructional programs, academic support services, student services, and administrative services across the institution. The report has been shared with the planning committee and has been used to foster discussion and identify some areas for future improvement, which I will share later in this report. Uh, In recent years, we've been improving our practices to incorporate more explicit evaluative mechanisms into reports, such as the annual progress report. Uh, For the 2012-2013 report, which was compiled back in spring of 2014, we included a color coding system to summarize recent accomplishments relative to the strategic plan objectives. That evaluative mechanism, which included color coding of green, yellow, and red to indicate good uh, in progress and uh, no progress, uh, was applied to both the quantitative measures of institutional effectiveness and student achievement as well as qualitative information describing activities completed across the institution. Since 2013-2014 represented the final year of the 2011-2014 strategic plan. We included a summative evaluation in the progress report for that year, which was compiled in spring 2015, Uh, and as part of that process we identified measures to track performance and compared 2013-2014 data with the 2010-2011 baseline data uh, representing performance prior to the 2011-2014 strategic plan. Within the 2014-2015 to 2015 planning cycle, we implemented additional changes to both the plan submission process and the reporting process. As part of the 2014-2015 planning cycle, which was launched back in spring 2014, we implemented an electronic submission process. Managers of programs and service areas used Excel to develop, their, to develop and submit their unit plans and a portion of the unit plan template uh, related to strategic plan objective 1A is included in the table within the slide shown. Um, For each unit level initiative included in the plan, faculty and staff identified the associated strategic plan objective, which is noted noted in columns 1 and 2 of that uh, part of the table, and then complete the remaining columns to summarize their plans. So, as shown in the table, in spring 2014, programs and services were asked to provide the following information. A description of the unit-level initiative, an associated measure or indicator of success describing what it would look like if the initiative was implemented successfully, a source of the initiative, and those include um, things like program review or PEP, uh, outcomes assessment, external compliance, or an emergent need, a justification or description of the linkage, uh, the rank of the unit level priority, so high or low, and the resources needed to implement the initiative. The electronic unit plan template was intended to capture efficiencies and eliminate redundancy in the planning and reporting process. Uh, So in order to increase efficiencies, the 2014 to 2015 unit plans that were submitted in Excel were reconfigured and returned to managers of programs and service areas to facilitate the subsequent reporting process summarizing accomplishments. And that was an activity that began in spring 2015. So columns for reporting accomplishments were added to the file, and those columns included a description of the progress made on the unit level plan or initiative, data summarizing the actual accomplishment relative to the measure or indicator of success identified by the unit in spring 2014, actual resource allocations for the unit-level project, and the implementation status of the project. The implementation status included three possible descriptions, completed, in progress, indicating partially completed, and no action. As uh, faculty and staff populated that column, A final evaluation column, which was coded with green, yellow, and red, was automatically populated to indicate uh, the evaluation of progress. So this process was intended to strengthen accountability and make the evaluation of accomplishments a more inclusive process as faculty and staff were asked to evaluate their accomplishments vis-a-vis their intended plans. Uh, Finally, the annual planning progress report has been compiled earlier in the academic year uh, to provide more timely information on accomplishments. This adjustment is intended to help strengthen data-driven decision-making by making more information available when the planning priorities for the upcoming year are established. The 2014-2015 to progress report was included with the agenda for tonight's meeting. Hopefully you've had a chance to review it. The planning committee reviewed and discussed the report at a couple of meetings earlier this semester, and the varying approaches taken and the varying levels of detail provided by different programs and services across the institution on both the planning side and the reporting side were noted by the planning committee. Uh, In that process, we identified some challenges in synthesizing the information that was provided by individual units. So as a result, the planning committee has identified some areas for ongoing refinements of our planning processes, and we will work to introduce those with the 2016 to 2017 planning cycle. So some of the identified improvements are listed here. Uh, One is to involve the area councils as well as the president and vice presidents in collecting information for the annual progress report. Under current practices, those individuals do not see or review the information until it has been incorporated into the report, because I'm the one that compiles it. Um, So the goal is to engage the councils to help increase communication across the institution as well as participation among programs and services. Um, My office, with the help of both the planning committee and the area councils, can also improve communication of expectations regarding the reporting process. The planning committee also noted that we might need to reframe the questions used to structure the reporting process and to focus them on student learning, student achievement, and institutional mission. Uh, Finally, with the help of the area councils, we hope to complete future progress reports closer to the beginning of the fall semester as opposed to the end of the fall semester, although I will point out that this year marks an improvement over last year's report which was presented to the board in May. So it was, <laughs> we finally got around to closing the books on the previous academic year as we approached the end of that one. So we, we are making improvements. Um, so as I mentioned, hopefully you had a chance to review the progress report that was included with the agenda packet, and I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have.
9: I just, I think, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, based on what you said about from the last document, what, you know, you want to improve on and right here too, that Probably this will look totally different next year. But I just wanted to... Um, as an example, the the data, the, the data measuring achievement based on indicators of success, I'm thinking that'll look different next year because it seems like like most of what was there is just activities, things people did, as opposed to actual data showing, you know, that the objective had been met. So I'm just wondering, will that column look different? And as an example, the first one, facilitate a seamless progression of students from the moment of first contact to goal achievement it seems like the data would need to be something like this is how many students came in and this is how many students achieved their educational plan or their
1: goal.
20: So that's the kind of data you'll be looking at next time. Exactly. And and when we, um, so the planning process for 2014-15 did begin in spring of 2014. And so there were, um what I thought were um detailed instructions um outlining the new process and indicating that the indicator or measure for success should reflect what it would look like and should be concrete. So yeah so increase the number so identify a baseline if you're going to increase the number of educational plans by X percent and identify what the N will then be um, then then that was the idea or it, it could have been um, for something in the IT uh, related area, you could say, that uh, implement wireless technology across at least seventy percent of the main campus, or you know, some, ki- some yeah, kind, some kind of measurable
9: like this one. Maybe even a student survey that because seamless progression, that kind of that's a student perspective too, whether they felt it was a seamless progression from the beginning until the end. So anyway, so that's the kind of the direction you guys are going. Yeah, and
20: and, and you know, our, our planning has always been um, for the annual um, cycle has always been driven by the unit level, but I think that there's some. Um, whether it's um, possible efficiencies or economies of scale or uh, more coordination through the council could help achieve some of the goals in the strategic plan in a more effective manner than um, the individual unit levels. So that's the next frontier.
0: (laughs) Any other questions? Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Thank you very much. 11.3 11.3 reading of new, revised or to be repealed board policies. Dr. Trapp, do you have anything to say about this one? Has your name
12: on it? I'm looking. Let me go back to it real fast, sir. Excuse me for a second. Let me grab it. I don't think. I do not. I do not.
0: Okay. Is there um, a motion for 11.3? This is uh,
8: first reading, so there's no action. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's this is just right. information.
0: You, I stand corrected. It's information only. Mm-hmm. Right. It Twelve point. Oh, wait,
9: I'm sorry. I think just maybe, Carolie can answer the last part. It seems like that should come off. It's just like it's a like a side note for whoever's creating the policy. Do you see what I'm saying? About the, list, I mean, you mean the, box the box that's in parentheses. It says if locations are different for receiving, then you add other locations.
17: Yeah, the that'll box, come off. Box text is. Just for the review process as part of the template, um, it doesn't stay on. Yeah, thank you.
0: Okay. 12.0 Consent Calendar. Is there a motion on the consent calendar? Don't move move so, to accept the consent calendar, I presume, is what the motion is. The motion. Okay, is there a second for that motion? Second. Okay. Oh, I All right, have a question, Mr. Any questions? Oh, I want to
9: pull a couple. I want to pull the warrants. 2.1.1 and also um, 12.4.5 the MOU North Bay Employment Connection
19: 4.5
9: is, is that under the consent four. calendar?
19: No,
14: those
12: then the, the, is the that
8: consent un- calendar is 1 point, is 12.
12: Yeah, these are the
14: 12s.
9: Okay, so just the warrants 12.11
0: Okay, so consent calendar, with the exception of 12.1.1. All in favor of accepting... Wait, 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 wait. wait. One second. <laughs> we haven't voted.
7: Um, on, tr- I just have a question. Can I ask a question yes, without polling something? Um so That's the way it should be done. Pardon me? I
8: said it's perfect. That's the way it should okay.
7: be done. Um, Ron, I just had a question on... EMSI. Um, I'm very familiar with uh, the program, and I'm just Mm -hmm. wanting to clarify that this, what we're talking about today, um, doesn't substitute or get rid of uh, our use or access of the information that we've had all along with EMSI, and that we're still going to be using them using that tool. For continued use as well
12: yeah, I, I think that, um, and Chris can talk about this, but this is, this is uh, in no way connected to the continued use of our of okay. that database
9: actually, that's the one I wanted to pull. I, I was trying to find it, so yeah, the warrants, and then that one. I want to talk about twelve point four point two
12: Chris, go ahead if you can give a little background.
2: Well the the EMSI, the economic modeling systems analyst is the right. what Marianne's talking about is a software package that like I have a log on to that I can track employment records and demographics and um job outcomes and that's all paid for through a CTE grant through Alberta Lloyd. Right. And so yeah, that's not going away. That's this not go- this is right. an additional okay.
0: report that they are running for us.
7: Okay, great, great. It's a wonderful tool. I know with the
0: web we also, partner on that. You still want to pull that? Yeah. And yeah. Which one is that? Which number is that? Twelve point four point two. Twelve point one point two. Okay. So, with those two noted exceptions to be pulled, all in favor of accepting the balance of the consent calendars, please signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Twelve point one point one. Approve warrants for November thirtieth, twenty fifteen. Anyone wish to comment? Amy.
9: (laughs) Yeah, I just had two questions about two payments, and in the spirit of the board getting all the same information, Dr. Kraft said he would present it here. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted Um, to know what two payments were for.
12: That's great. And and Glenna has these. I have have the information. So why don't you ask specifically about the – or do you want us just to – Reiterate the
18: ones that they, you been pulled. Yeah, I just want to know what That's they are.
21: Fine. Okay. Um, one of the, the the first one is Adamson Police Products. That total warrant was for $48,918.46. And that was actually for three invoices, uh, one for $17,901, another one for $561, and a third for $30,456. And basically Adamson is um, used by the CJT department. This was for, uh, mostly for, or actually all for um, ammunition. The two large ones were for ammunition. And what they do is they buy the ammunition in bulk because they get a better price. We could actually charge our students, apparently, uh, Dr. Juni, correct me if I'm uh, wrong. We could charge our students and have them buy their own ammunition, but we get a better deal and we we um, pass that on to the student, and what happens is they they buy this in bulk, and it takes a very long time for it to come in, and um, so they buy quite a bit because of that reason. And if any of it is used in the next fiscal year, my department moves that to the next moves that part of the expenditure to the next year.
9: Okay, the reason I pulled that, I, I, I'm kind of getting concerned because. It, Last month, there was about that amount, and it was for ammunition. And a few months before that, about that amount for ammunition. And it just seems like it's a lot of bullets. And I just – I don't know. I just – I think that should be looked into. I just – I don't last, understand.
21: The, the one that we paid last month, that order was, that order was on um, – that PO was on order for about eight or nine months. It took that long because apparently there's – I don't know, a lot of people buying bullets, I guess, but whatever mm-hmm. – um, and so that's why they're, this this is happening now. They they were able to get this sooner. So.
0: I think whenever there's a shooting, gun sales and ammunition sales go off the chart, So then it is difficult to back order ammunition. It's a crazy country we live yeah. in.
9: But so since I've been on the board, there's been at least three payments in the amount of forty eight thousand dollars for bullets. So
0: anyway, I just.
21: The, the, the criminal justice program is a big program, though. We I mean, do have it, a police It's academy. ongoing.
10: This, this yeah. is a part of their fee as a, yeah. base as well. Is that what you're going to yeah. do? Well, I wanted yeah. to um, correct one thing that Glenna said. We we do buy in bulk so that it is less expensive for the students. The students pay us for that. They have to right, pay material right. fees yeah. for it, so they're not they're 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 We're having it to cover it. But if they had to buy it on their own, it would cost them more. Um, and in uh, in regard to Amy's concerns and questions, I can ask Damien for a report on the amount of ammunition that we use with each class and and the cost of that, so I can provide you more information That'd
9: on that. I mean, I understand the students are paying for it, but, you know, if we can lower the cost of the program, you know, then we would want to do that. If it, obviously, just because the students pay for it doesn't mean we don't want to be careful with the expenditures.
19: If I may comment, I just pulled them up on their website and just uh, 50 rounds of a 38 specials, $215.63. That's a full metal jacket. I think that's common to police... Uh,
11: Thirty-eight. It's and you can, yeah. You yeah, can go expensive. to the range and easily shoot three hundred to five hundred rounds. So multiply that. It's expensive.
0: Okay. So
12: let's move to the next one. The next oh, warrant. Wait, wait, before we right? move okay? to that,
0: let's vote on this. Oh, one. you want to vote? Twelve point one point one. Now, um, uh, is there a motion? No.
21: no, we still have another payment to go. To yes. Another oh, another warrant to to okay. go over. i Okay. The other one was Matrix HG Incorporated, and that the total warrant for that was 48074 and that also was in payment of four individual invoices, one for $17,065, another for 44755 40, a third for 24941 and then the fourth one was $1,312, and basically, those were for, they um, replaced the boiler up in up the Upper Valley Campus. Uh, for, that was one for $17,000. Um, flush and treat hot water loops was for 4750 So it's boiler and, and plumbing type things. The other 24000 the other large one was a new exhaust system for the general area for the welding department. Okay,
9: but yeah, Dr. Jenny, if you could if you could look into that, and also I'm wondering because I heard a concern from the community. I'm going back to bullets about the use of lead bullets um, and the environmental impact. And there's, I guess, apparently, alternatives. So I'm also curious what kind of bullets we use.
22: Thanks. Do you,
21: do you, I don't know if it says it. What kind?
12: What we'll check? How's that? Okay. I mean, r- oh. rather than because okay. I'm not sure it's going to boil down to that, okay. to that level. Right. But thank you. thank you. So so noted.
0: Okay. So, is there a motion on twelve point one point one? Move approval of twelve point one point one. Is there a second? Second. Mm-hmm. All in favor of uh, approving twelve point one point one, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Now it's on to twelve point one point two, total gross payroll. What? I think she. I think she one f-
12: you I think you're to you're pull? at No, I think she pulled twelve point four. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so it a bit redundant. Do you want oh, me just ask my before. question why I pulled it or sure.
9: I, i'm just i 'm wondering the purpose for this study because it, it's a twenty thousand dollars study, and um, at first, I was excited because it said you know i 'm very much into the career technical and I'd love to see an evaluation of the market labor demands and what students want and how we can meet those demands, because I think that will help with FTES if we're offering you know, what's needed. But that's not what this is. This is what we do for the community. Um, and I saw this kind of data two years ago when we were going out for the bond, and it's like maybe that's when you did the study last. And it, to me, this seems like a PR, like setting the stage for like a PR campaign in the community. And i 'm um, just concerned that this is already being used to lay the stage for a bond measure when where we left it was we were going to talk to the internal community and see where they were at so i 'm just wondering the purpose for this study of looking at what we do for the community and um why we 're doing that right now
12: um, That could be one interpretation <laughs> you know of of a thousand yeah. it' also you could also make the great point that this could be used for the district to talk to the chancellor's office about more and deeper um, um, support for FTE. And, in fact, the the chancellor's office and most colleges in the state (coughs) lean into these kind of reports because they really are akin to a scorecard. So this is very important to the state and the chancellor's office and us, which really proves in in another regard our impact and, and the job we're doing. So this is another way of metric, uh, of showing, uh, showing the, the value of, of the college. It does get at, I, I think, the return on the investment, if you will, from the state um, investment, and local investment. And um, w- w- whether it would be v- viewed by the public, I think, that, I think they would. It could also show things that would, might be negative that we want to improve. So it's just as likely. Um, the, this study is unique a bit in that it's, as, as I said earlier, it, it's funded entirely through grants. And we're also drilling down a little bit to, to see if we can focus specifically on these two areas, the added income from the um, the two groups. Let me just grab them real fast here. The, um, two small studies with the breakouts for CTE programs mm-hmm. and Hispanic population. I, I I'm feeling that it would it's gonna be very interesting, it is at least to the CTE side of the world to see the economic impact of our CTE programs, of our career and technical programs in the area. So it's it's akin to a lot of the research that the WIB does, the WIOA. Um I, I think it's a very powerful tool for us to meet the community as well.
9: I guess it's, if we're going to spend $20,000 on a study, like I said, I would rather see what how we can improve rather than create a study to show what we're already doing and how that benefits the community, which, again, it seems like it's going to be used for but PR. But it's
7: grant-funded.
9: I know. But it's still money that could be used for something else that could drive improvement rather than, again, to showcase the college and to be used as a PR tool, um, which I think we've spent a lot of focus on, is PR based on what we're already doing versus focusing on how we can better suit the needs of students and, I'm go and grow in and that way. I'm going to go back and
12: say that it's not a PR tool. This, this would be akin to, there has to be a baseline understanding. So if you wanted to lose weight, you would stand on a scale and then get a metric. That we have no metric. So this is providing, this is showing us the economic impact of the college. So if we want to improve on that economic impact, then we can. But, so we'll have a baseline. And, and what we don't have a baseline is on the Hispanic market and specifically the CTE. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I think you could probably view anything we do, including this meeting, as a PR piece to support the college's importance in the community.
9: But we do have a baseline. We did this two years ago because I saw this data, kind of data presented at the meeting yeah, on the bonds. I,
8: I, I, you've made your point several times, and uh, if I'm understanding this correctly, this is grant-funded, which means this is what it's funded for, not a general use someplace else. So I guess, you know, it's just you don't agree with this particular grant, but uh, I uh, I'll make a motion to approve. We're repeating ourselves well, here. This, Is this
9: the only thing this, money, this grant money can be used for? Is this grant money specified specifically for this kind of a study?
12: I, I'm not quite... Let me think how to answer that question. The, I think we
17: have a motion on the floor.
12: Yeah, we do have a, yeah, it. Yeah. Yes? <laughs> I don't know. But... Um, but this money this this money was specifically targeted for this study, so if we didn't do this study, I suppose that that money would retreat back to the grant to be used for another study which might come to you as well. But you may not be as pleased with that one either i, I, I don't know, so I, it, it may go to another institution rather than us.
0: I think I read your lips, most people are yeah. Yeah. in favor of this. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there was a motion to approve 12.4.2. Um, two. Is there a second? Second. On the question. Hearing no other comments or questions, all in favor say signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. Let okay. the record reflect that it was not unanimous. 13.0 action items. 13.1 changes to the curriculum. Dr. Juni.
10: Oops, sorry. Um, so a number of things that are in this curriculum package, a uh, new program, an associate in science in business with concentration in entrepreneurship, um, and then quite a number of modified courses. The first set, 2.0, are revisions to actually um, non-credit courses, Um, And there, actually, what's happening is that we have a number of non-credit courses that are coded for use um, to disabled students, Um, and there has been a request for us to provide some of those courses for elder elder adults, uh, especially up valley, um, and we need them to, we need to have courses that are coded appropriately for elder adults as opposed to disabled. Um, Otherwise, if the elder adults are taking the disabled students, the State believes that we're serving disabled students and it impacts our DSPNS program. So that's what those non credit changes are about. Um, and then a history course where just some small changes, um, mostly adding SLOs and changes in description, and um, some updates of SLOs in business and English classes. Um, on the there, there's actually um, basically two submissions here um, from two different curriculum meetings. Uh, the third page of the document is what came through at the last December meeting. Um, there's a change to an EMT course. Um, And actually, I want to commend um, the curriculum chair, the curriculum committee, um, the faculty in the EMS program, uh, uh, Greg Scott-Rose, and Academic Senate, because we were able to get this course modified and approved in um, less than a week. Um, And that was important because uh, changes in the accreditation standards of this course changed the hours. AND um, IF we, WE ARE OFFERING IT IN THE SPRING AND IF WE HADN'T MADE THOSE CHANGES, THOSE STUDENTS WOULD NOT HAVE BEEN ABLE TO SIT FOR THE PARAMEDIC TEST BECAUSE THEY WOULDN'T HAVE HAD THE SUFFICIENT HOURS. Um, if, IF YOU APPROVE IT, WE STILL HAVE TO HOPE THE CHANCELLOR'S OFFICE WILL APPROVE IT QUICKLY um, BEFORE uh, THE START OF CLASSES IN JANUARY. AND THEN ANOTHER LIST OF ENGLISH CLASSES THAT ARE UPDATING THEIR SLOs AND TEXTBOOKS AND ARCHIVING A PHOTO CLASS THAT WE HAVE NOT OFFERED IN A NUMBER OF YEARS.
0: Move approval. Is there a second? Second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Uh, could I ask that uh,
8: you just next month give us uh, a FYI with how long it took the Chancellor's Office? Just curious. This is somewhat miraculous.
10: Yeah, I, I'm not expecting that the Chancellor's Office will be quite as miraculous um uh, they they are what i will say though and to give them credit is that the um the vice chancellor um uh, Penn walker has been working really hard to reduce the queue and to allow things to get through the queue much quicker in fact they've made a very significant change um there's a type of curriculum change called non substantive and there's a list of things that that entails and i won't bore you with all that details unless you really want to know but um But it, it used to require that any change we submitted to a course, they would, they would vet it and then there'd be conversation back and forth between the college and the chancellor's office before they would approve it. They've now changed the process for what are called non substantive changes. They're, they are assuming that the college will do all the work that they would normally do, um, and they are assured of that by a signature from the chief instructional officer. Um, they will approve those courses as, seen, as soon as they receive them from uh, starting in January onward. And so that will actually reduce the queue for a lot, and that will help in things like this because this is not a non substantive change, it's a substantive change that has to be reviewed. But the hope is that once once they've reduced that, the length of the line, that things will move much quicker.
8: I wasn't aware of Pam Walker until recently. I saw something uh, uh, that she was in the chancellor's office. So I, I,
0: that would make a difference. I mean,
10: she's uh, she She's been doing great
0: work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 13.2, annual audit for fiscal year 2014-15.
23: Thank you. Good evening. My name is Ben Levitt. I'm from the firm Casolius, Wilson, Dominguez, and Levitt, which is a mouthful, so we normally just go by CWDL. Here to present tonight the 2015 financial audit report for the the year-ended June 30, 2015. And just to briefly recap, the audit report reflects two visits that we'll make in both interim and year-end to perform tests of... Financial controls, tests of compliance, and ultimately tests of the substantive balances that are presented in this report. So I'll kind of go through it at a high level. Um, there's a couple areas. This is kind of an exciting year from an auditor's perspective, and kind of a, a horrifying one, uh, frankly, for someone that's not an auditor just looking at a few of the numbers in this report. So I'm going to I'm going to highlight a couple of those numbers. Hopefully, dispel maybe some of the the concerns or. or just scariness, that they may come along with a few of them, and then go through all the sections, speak to the uh, findings and question costs at the end, and then open for any questions you might have over either our procedures or um, any of the contents within the report. And actually, I'm going to try to follow on the computer so it's on everyone's screen. So just to start off, on page one and page two, our independent auditor's report, um, this is the report the one of the four reports contained within the financial report where we speak to the fairness of the presentation of the financial statements. The most important part in this report occurs right here in the opinions paragraph. and I'll, It's important enough to read, so I'll read it quickly. In our opinion, the financial statements referred to above present fairly in all material respects the respective financial position of the college as of June 30, 2015, and the respective changes in financial position and and where applicable cash flows thereof for the year then ended in accordance with accounting principles generally accepted in the United States of America. Um, As Lissa had mentioned for the foundation report presented earlier today, that is an unqualified or an unmodified opinion Um, which is to say it's the highest quality opinion an auditor can render, and effectively says financials as presented can be relied upon. One thing, though, that I want to call your attention to that's unique or unusual uh, to to show up in this auditor's report is the emphasis of matter paragraph that occurs right after that opinion, which gets into a restatement which we go into more detail on note 13 and we reflect in the core financials, this is not a restatement or a change to the beginning net position that's related to anything the college did wrong. Instead, it's a restatement related to new accounting guidance put out nationally by GASB that's being received by every state. And in the state of California, what it relates to is the accounting for pensions coming from CalPERS and CalSTRS. So every employer with employees that fall under those two pension plans, is going to be affected by this restatement and, and kind of an ongoing reflection of, of activity that before this year never showed up in the individual agency audit reports. And so with that, I'm going to kind of go right to the core financial and show exactly where this comes into play. So after that auditor's report, the md section is going to give a little bit of information and kind of uh, analytical uh, information on last year compared to this year, the direction that the college is heading in. and then moving past MDNA, we get into the core financial statements which are going to start right on page number, I think 17 of 87 wait or uh, that's PDF 17 of87 or document page 12. And what you'll see, and it's kind of stunning, is a total net position that, for the first time, is deeply in the negative. And to get a lot better perspective on that, I'm going to take you to the next page, the statement of revenues, expenses, and changes in net position, direct you to the bottom of that page where you'll see net position beginning of the year was in the black. It was $1.957 million dollars. Adjustment for restatement, which we'll go into more detail on in the pensions, the new pensions footnote and in the restatement footnote on note 13, is bringing that net position down by $31 million. That amount, that huge liability, is the recognition of all of those projected pension costs for all of the employees and PERS and STERS that were never required to be reported before this year and every district is being hit with this at the same time and all at once. So unlike in a few, it's been a few years now, GASB 45, which required for the other post-employment benefits a gradual recognition um, for the first time at that point in time of this new kind of liability, essentially, this new kind of expense, this is is hitting all at once. The the full anticipated cost of that, that total amount of pensions, which is dramatic. And it's, it, it's it's scary. But what I'd like to point out is that from a functional perspective, the district's budget, the district's operations, are really focused from the general fund, the general operating fund. The government-wide financials, which include long-term activity, long-term debt, long-term assets like, like capital assets, and a very long-term new liability, this net pension liability, are more for visibility, for perspective, for kind of a long-term projected run and look at things, but much less focused on operations than the general fund. And this is something that's anticipated, and it's recognized as such, but it's not a liability that's suddenly plunging the general fund, $30 million, into the negative. And I want to demonstrate that a little bit more by going to In the notes to the financials, where we kind of give more perspective on all the balances in the core, by going to the new note that pertains to this liability, um, just to shed a little more light on that anticipation of this amount. I know this is a lengthier presentation than I normally give, so I'll try to be brief for the rest of it, and then I'll, I'll still have time for any questions you might have. So going into the notes, the pensions footnote is going to appear... Speed. There we go. All right. It's going to appear right here. It's essentially two notes rolled into one. There's pension detail on CalPERS and on Calsters, And I want to highlight the sensitivity analysis, which is going to show up, I believe, on this next page or the page after. So this relates to CalPERS. There's a similar sensitivity analysis for Calsters, But what it shows is a large part of where that big liability is coming from. So in this discount rate, tiny chart that we have, the liability that's associated with CalPERS is shown in the middle, underneath 7.5%. 7.5% is the expected discount rate that all of these funds that are being contributed to CalPERS, in this case, are expected to earn. If you change that expectation that assumption one point in either direction you can see how dramatic that shift is so if those funds earn 1 percent less 6.5 percent the amount of that projected liability goes up from 11.9 million to 19.3 million and then by the same token if we do better than we're thinking we're gonna do if we make 8.5 percent on our money the effective cost of all those pensions decreases to 4.06 million. So just to give a little bit of a sense that this is a lot to hit any district all at once. And it's definitely based upon a lot of actuarial stuff, a lot of stuff that could hold very firm or could change dramatically. And on a year-by-year basis, it's something that will be an ongoing change into the district's audit report, really just to give more visibility on the true cost of all these pensions that are going out to all the college's employees. So hopefully that gives a little bit of perspective on kind of where that enormous uh, change to government-wide net position is coming from. Um, but if, it, if you have any additional questions, I'd be happy to address those as well. Uh, and then going past the notes to the financials, we get into the required and the uh, regular supplementary information, which gives schedules that are required by the state... Um, Here's a schedule on OPEB's funding progress, two new schedules um, relating to the new pension standards, uh, the district's organizational chart, and other um, various award schedules. And then going past the supplementary information, we get into our other three reports, the first of them concerning internal controls and compliance. And here we find that the district has adequate, strong controls in place, to be able to maintain operations and there are no compliance exceptions that have any kind of material impact on the financial statements. So we pass a clean opinion on this report. The report following that is the opinion over federal compliance and based on the tests of federal programs that we conducted during the year under audit, um, we were satisfied that the district was in full compliance with all of the provisions of those programs and so a similar clean report over federal compliance our final and fourth report is over state compliance and here we express that with one exception which I'll get to in findings and question costs the district was in full compliance over all of the provisions outlined by the Chancellor's Office and you can see from that list where we spell them out there's there's quite a bit of procedures to, to keep in mind definitely keep some Fiscal services and a lot of the administrative departments are very busy as new compliance requirements come up. But with one exception, the district is in full compliance based upon our procedures. So, pleased to report that. And with that, I would like to jump into findings in question costs. I'm going to give it a little bit of context. Before I go into the current year finding, I'm just going to step back to our finding from 2014 and the status of that in this year. And then I'll speak to 2015. So 2014's finding was also in state compliance. That was with respect to, it was really a formality, the timeline of submission of the annual financial report to the Chancellor's Office. It was a few days late. Um, But compliance is black and white, and so even though it was such a minor item, we were still required to report on it, and we did. Um, And we're happy to report that in the current year, uh, the recommendation, which was simply to get it in by the, the, the hard deadline of October 10th, was met. Um, so that is fully implemented as of 2015. And then for the comment relating to the current year under audit, that pertains to the our testing over FTES, our testing over apportionment. And what we found from our sample in the current year, specifically with the portion of our sample that related to the tracking of daily courses, was that there was a slight error in the system that caused some courses... We found it was five out of 75 where the amount of census time that was attributed to each course was incorrect, and it resulted in an overstatement um, that we identified as being .77 FTES, which, when you run out the numbers, comes out to a question cost of $3, 3637 dollars and 16 cents. The district in seeing that and this was an effort that was really kind of pulling together a few different departments. Laura and Glenna were a very big part of it. Jessica Milliken um, over in apportionment came together to try to wrangle this down, didn't accept our audit finding question costs, and really tried to trace it to the root. They looked at all daily courses that the college offered during 14-15, and after looking at everything, not just the sample that we had identified, they found that there was a total question costs a total overstatement of attendance of 3.3 FTES or $15,587.85. So based on the sheer dollar amount, not particularly significant from an internal control standpoint, particularly over apportionment, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, So it's something that going into uh, subsequent years audits, we will definitely be uh, looking at very closely to ensure that the implementation has taken place. The main recommendation that we made is for the district to strengthen, essentially, its internal audit function over the calculation of apportionment to ensure that there aren't similar overstatements uh, in the future. And the district's kind of outlined a multi-pronged approach with which to do that, which we think is adequate, and we would be surprised to see this comment going forward, but we will definitely keep our eye out for it. So with that, I would just like to extend my thanks to all the district staff that we take time from in the course of our procedures, our interim and year-end visits, particularly Glenna, um, also in the current year, Laura, for all the help that we got in this area and just throughout the years. It's been a pleasure working with you. 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 And with that, I'd like to open for any questions you might have over any aspect of this report or our procedures um, at this point in time.
19: Looking at the unfunded liabilities of our, this is your fourth, is it not, uh, that you've been doing
23: for us? You know, I I feel like I've been here for a long time because I uh, have come here uh, under my my prior firm as well.
19: Okay, all right, yeah. Christy
23: White and Associates. Yes, the contract uh, with with our firm was a one-year contract, I believe, for the 13-14 year, and then it was renewed for a, a three-year extension starting with this year as the first of the three years.
19: Okay. Well, then on the unfunded liabilities over the preceding of a few years, what have you seen? A, a, a significant decline, or is it...
23: Uh, um... With respect to pensions in particular? Yes, that's correct you know it's it's always been something that was that was kind of out there in the cloud in the sense that it was never it was never attributed to agencies there was never the calculation of proportionate share like there has been right now, and which took a little bit longer for, for pers than stirs to wrangle down but but does finally exist now. It was almost like um, kind of the understanding that came from the gm uh, struggles and, and other major corporations where Organizations identified that pensions can cost a tremendous amount in the future. This is just the GASB's way, the Governmental Accounting Standards Board's way of of formalizing that and and getting more perspective on it. As far as the way that it's changed from prior years to now, I would say that I kind of fell in with everyone else prior to now, where I didn't have the best perspective on it um, prior to the calculation. and now. It's, it's much more clear to me just what the, the true cost of those pensions are. But they, they've certainly always kind of loomed large. It's mm-hmm. just uh, been in much vaguer terms. Thank you.
9: And yes. Like you said, it's not very much money, but I'm just curious. So does that mean the 15000 that means we, is that what we overcharge the state and have to pay back, or how does that work?
23: Essentially, yeah. yeah. That would have been an amount that was claimed for apportionment, that was was overclaimed, uh, not able to be substantiated so so generally um, that would be remitted to the state or or canceled out of a, a prior or a subsequent um, apportionment filing
10: but there needs to be a correction made to what you're saying because the initial five classes we we overstated but when we did the complete review of all our daily we understated by 3.3 FTS so we actually claimed Three point three FTS less from the state than we actually should have.
23: You know, I will confirm that that is not the way that it is written up in this comment.
10: That's the way it's written right here. The net result as calculated by the district was an understatement of three point three FTS.
23: I'm looking at question costs. Could you take me to the part that you're looking at?
7: I think, cause we even discussed that in audit committee. I think is that there was a. Uh, yeah, yeah, Swung the other way. My apologies. Yeah.
23: My apologies for misreading that section. So that's good news. Fifteen thousand dollars coming back rather than going out. But I would still kind of focus on what I see as is, is the bigger issue, which is less the dollar amount in, in that sense and more the control in place over apportionment, which is so
10: key. And and I don't disagree with you. And there have been a number of things that have been implemented. Um, And I also want to give a shout-out, though, because a lot of this work, if not most of it, it was actually done by the Office of Instruction and Diane White and her staff in looking at all of the daily classes and calculating those. And we have put already put in place a number of changes that are being made to the way uh, the schedule is entered uh, initially and then the audit reports that will be used at various times during the year to assure that this error doesn't occur again.
9: So does that have to be fixed, the question costs, that section?
23: You know, as I look at it, in that, in that line right there, it, it looks to me consistent with how we labeled the overstatement. So I will make that more explicit, and I will provide that uh, to the district to distribute electronically because I, I do think that that could be more clear.
0: Anything else? entertain a motion to accept the
7: audit I move to accept the audit
0: second. second all in favor signify by saying aye, aye. 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 Opposed. Okay. thank you very much mr. Levitt thank you 13.3 the 2015-16 student equity plan Oscar de Haro.
14: Well, hello. Uh, so this evening you have you have um, the student equity plan that's before you for for your approval. Uh, but I, um, I wanted to just mention that it's very similar to the plan that was submitted and was approved last year by by you. Similar, uh, I say that because the chancellor's office changed the template for for this year's plan as to what da- as to what data we we were to gather. Bless you. Uh, I also wanted to uh, to to invite uh, Dean, Dean of Counseling uh, uh, Howard. Willis, as well as uh, Chris Farmer, uh, Dr. Juni, uh, to join in on, on any other the comments. Uh, they were part of the committee that that put this report together, including Ann Gross uh, for the faculty. Um, and so uh, with that, I'd like to ask you what questions you might have.
0: Anyone have any questions
14: for uh, uh, I have you? a question. Um, so in. Re- uh,
16: in regards to the report, um, what does the process look like for collecting the, da- the data for the LGBT, stud- LGBT students um, from the chancellor's office? Is that a process that will take time? Is, that a- is there a legal blockade yes. to that?
14: Well, actually, it's not legal. Uh, what, what, what happens is, this is that as of last year, the chancellor's office uh, instituted a, uh, a new CC apply. In other words, that's the application that all new students fill out. Um, and that question is asked that gender your preferences is asked as, as, as part of the, the, the application. Uh, and so they collect the data under the Chancellor's Office. But unfortunately, at this point, we don't have access to it. So the idea is that hopefully in a couple of years or so, they will be able to pro- provide each college data that, that relates to LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
9: Amy? Um, I had asked Dr. Kraft about this earlier, but um, I was just wondering about not including Native American students. Is um, it mentioned in the reports that Native American and African American students were the only two groups um, to have a gap in both degree completion and transfer completion, but only African American students were listed as a target group. And I know they're a small group, but it seems like even more so that you can really target them and provide direct services. So I just was wondering about leaving out that group.
2: Well, as you point out, yeah, the Native American population is small. I mean, they're less than 1% of our total head count. Um, But the the decision was that uh, the African American population, also because they are – identified in multiple places throughout the equity plan it was really why under that particular measure they were called the target group. Um, so it kind of had to do with what was above them in the plan. I mean, in addition, we didn't even there, – there were no activities actually outlined for the transfer and degree groups. For one, the degree group, less than one out of four of the students even completed a degree. A degree. So I think it says it in the narrative how overall – um, MVC needs to refocus on just degree completion for everybody so we didn't outline any specific activities and it's also felt that a lot of the activities outlined above um, if we if we implemented them such as tutoring expanded outreach opportunities educational planning opportunities would lead directly to those outcomes that we'd be looking for and there was a real effort when we uh, went through the activities that um, while we identified target groups, we tried to zero in on activities that would help those target groups while they're also helping everyone. And I think that's where um, a lot of the discussion with Native American population was that if we improve tutoring, well, that that will help our target populations, but it's also going to help everyone. And, an additional thing, and I wasn't going to throw another dashboard up there, but you're probably tired of my websites at this point. Um, all the data is five years cumulative, if you look at the Native American population, I'd be happy to send you this data as well. One of the big thing, big differences between them and the African American population is the African American population is consistently lower than every other group, whereas the Native American population goes up and down. So if you look at them across the five years, they had one year where they, like, had a 20 percent completion, so it's really pulling them down low, and that's uh, that volatility is a symptom of small sample size as well. So I think that... Was why they didn't get directly mentioned.
22: And then
9: my other question I um, appreciated the, well, a lot of things about this document. I, I like that you used the core indicators, you know, as your data and all of that. But, um, and also the idea of um, looking at LGBTQ students, although I imagine it's hard to probably get them to self report. Um, but I was wondering about veterans, if you ever considered, because that they do have to indicate, I believe, when they enroll if they're veterans, and we've talked a lot about veterans, and there's been a lot of services provided to veterans. And I was wondering, is that something you would consider in the future, looking at veterans, student veterans? Uh,
14: yes, in fact, we we've, we've we've started that already, um, and so we're and so we're slowly starting to to accumulate that the data on an annual basis, uh, so that we can uh, perhaps in next year's data make that more of a of a, of a formalized. Uh, youth student population, but yes, definitely so.
2: Thank you. And um, in addition to that, foster youth is another example. The Chancellor's Office has only really reported that out to us for the last three years. Um, So things like student success scorecard data relies on six-year cohorts, so probably hopefully within the next year or so, then we'll have that those long-term progressions of veteran students. Uh, they are in there under course completion, veteran students, and um, actually are performing quite well, as might be expected.
0: Is there a motion to approve the 2015-16 student equity yeah. plan? Can,
16: can I make a comment before we go to the motion? Is that okay? Comment? Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to thank everybody involved in the process um, of developing this plan. Um, especially Oscar and Chris, because they gave us they gave associated students a very um, a very detailed presentation of what the equity plan had to offer, um, and it actually decided how we would vote at this meeting based on the student equity plan. Because prior to us figuring out about the or uh, talking about the plan itself, we were planning on voting no because we personally felt as a board. Um, that we hadn't been involved in the process of looking at we, we had found out about it at the Academic Senate business meeting on November, I believe, 28th. Um, so, But we talked to Oscar um, about ensuring that we're brought to the table next time a little bit earlier, so I'd really like to thank you guys for that. Um, and then an o- another issue that we had is that our um, Associated Students representatives aren't Bringing back the reports to actually to ASNBC—that's probably why we didn't hear about that. So it's not a—we don't want to point fingers. It's we—we we have a lot of internal issues, so we need to address those. But thank you. Thank you.
0: Is there a motion?
16: A motion to approve?
0: Um, actually, you can second a motion, but I don't believe you can make a motion.
16: I've been making motions for the last. Four okay. months.
0: Okay. I'll second
11: uh, Gabriel's motion on the s- approval of the student equity plan for 2015
0: 2016. Okay. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Three point thirteen point four academic calendar for summer session 2016. Dr. Juni.
10: Oops, sorry. This so this is the summer uh 20 summer 2016 uh calendar and basically what it is is um more or less identical to last summer. Um so it has two 5-week sessions and then a 6 and 8-week session. Um it's important for me to say that we we have taken this through the process. We negotiated it with the association. Um there were conversations with academic senate in regard to this. Um, and so we're bringing it to the board for approval. Um, you, at this point in time, we have not made a final decision that we're actually going to do a summer just like we did last year, where we'll do two five-week sessions and a six-to-eight. Um, but, but what happened last year is you had approved a summer session that had a six- and an eight-week session and didn't have the two fives, and then we decided to add the two fives, so we had to bring it back. Um, and so this year we wanted to have you approve the whole package, and then w- we are starting to work on summer. And as we're doing that, we, we will be looking at the data from last year summer's five-week sessions to make a determination of whether we feel that the five-week offerings were um, cost-effective and, and benefited students. We didn't have as many classes uh, offered in those five-week sessions as we had originally h- hoped, so um, I'm not sure that it was as effective um, for um, helping students complete as we would have wanted it to be. And part of the problem is that the break we have during the summer isn't really long enough because there's not enough time between the end of spring, the End uh, and the beginning of the first five-week session, and then the end of the first five-week session, the beginning of the second, and then the end of the second and the beginning of fall to allow for grades to be submitted so that students can take two sequential courses that are reliant on each other for prerequisites. So they can't take two math classes or two English classes because there's not enough time to determine whether or not they succeeded to um, meet the prerequisite to go into it. So, so because of that, um, that's part of why it wasn't as effective as we had hoped. But still asking you to approve this so that we have all those options available.
8: Move approval as if the calendar is per- submitted.
0: Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. 13.5, new or revised or to be repealed board policies, second reading. Um,
8: Move approval.
0: Is there a second? Second. On the question, anyone? All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Very good. 13.6, Board Policy Manual, Administrative Regulations for Chapter 2, Board of Trustees. It is recommended that the Board of Trustees approve new and revised administrative regulations related to Chapter 2, the NBC Board Policy Manual listed before. AR 2435, Evaluation of the Superintendent-President. Move is approval. A, is there a second? Second. On the question, anyone?
19: Yeah, I I just
9: have a question. There's one sentence I don't understand. Um, It's in the third paragraph, the last sentence. I I don't understand it. Um, It says, the evaluation process is ongoing and should be agendized at least quarterly. However, there is no report from closed session related to the evaluation as any associated board action is required to occur in public session per the Brown Act. I don't understand that sentence.
0: I think um, when, we're, when we report out of closed session regarding an evaluation, all we report is that we evaluated. It. Otherwise, it, uh, it could move into um, privacy issues. I thought,
9: yeah, I thought we just decided we weren't going to report anything out from closed session, period. So I don't get the second part. Um, I just thought I would just say, however, there's no report from closed session related to the evaluation, period. The second part, I don't understand.
12: I, I think it's trying to make clear that...
9: Except for contract renewal would be the only thing that would be an open session. Exactly. That's, right? So
12: it was trying to clarify that.
9: So I, if we could just fix that. I mean, there's no report...
22: Well, yeah, because it doesn't make
9: sense.
8: Well, I, I think it makes sense based on what uh, Ron just said. So... Uh, I I think we leave it as it is, and I think it was probably a a um, review with uh, or has been looked at by uh, our council. So I I would not be in favor of changing anything. It didn't go back for her for.
9: It's two separate ideas. So the idea is that the evaluation is not reported out except for contract renewal, which is required to occur in an open session.
8: I, I hear you. I just don't agree with you. Yeah,
9: that's fine.
11: I was curious to see what Laura had on that from an HR perspective. Did, did you have a comment?
24: Um, yes. Actually, I, I think the extra words just confuse the sentence, to be perfectly honest. Um, there's, no, there's no report out, period. And, and if anything, it's as any associate, The use of as I mean, even because would be better than As, to clarify a little bit But I think it does kind of muddy the waters a little bit Because the bottom line is There's no report out, other than I mean, You could say it's been completed Except for, yeah, there's no report from
9: closed session Related to the evaluation, except for In the case of contract renewal Right? There's more
24: than that, yeah. Is there From this evaluation process? But I think Amy's point is well taken because it, this is an administrative regulation around the evaluation. So why are we bringing another thing? So I, I think that the words are awkward and, and do confuse the matter.
8: That's Well, but does it? Uh, uh, what about the issue of the uh, the contract renewal? That that is spelled out specifically, which you know should be.
24: It may be in another... Evalu- I don't know if it's in another board policy about um, employment of uh, the superintendent-president.
12: It is. Well, it's in contract. I mean, you have to do an open session. You
24: know. Is the contract renewal part of the
9: evaluation, or is that two separate things? Two separate things. So then we could just, just leave it as there's no report for a closed session related to the evaluation period, and then strike the rest so it's
8: clear.
11: Can we make changes without it going through the whole process again?
8: Well, down. this is our policy. I th- yeah, I I'm,
11: think so. On this AR. Yeah.
8: I, I'm not comfortable yeah, doing anything that we don't have Laura look at first. Laura Sulkin. Did she
9: look at this after it was completed?
8: I have no idea.
9: I'm asking Carly yeah.
12: yeah, she did.
24: Can you page down a little bit, too?
0: Just.
11: I'd like to see it cleaned up just to eliminate any debate
0: or... Oh, there is a motion on the floor, is that correct? Regardless. Yeah, I made the mo- yes. I made a motion to approve. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, without further discussion, then we can vote all in favor of accepting the policy as submitted, signified by saying aye. Aye. No. Opposed?
9: No.
19: No. No.
8: Okay. Somebody make another motion. So let's make- I move to
9: accept the policy, but striking um, everything after evaluation in that sentence.
17: It's a regulation, just to clarify. Yeah.
24: Can you? Um, yeah, I actually have a question. Um, it, it doesn't appear anywhere in the. In, although I haven't studied it recently. Um, that the evaluation should be sent to the personnel file, and I don't think there's any reference to that in the regulations. So there's, you know, where is it stored? It should be in the personnel file. It
18: does. That Just was a comment. I don't. I don't, that's not my understanding from the discussion with Laura.
24: That doesn't go in the personnel file. No. I don't think we discussed that, where
9: it went.
18: Yeah, we did, actually. We we did? did? Yes.
24: So where does it
12: reside? It resides
18: with the board chair.
8: Okay. Carolee, did you say Laura Sulkin had looked at this? Yes, she approved it.
0: Yeah, my only concern is if we change it and she reads it, she's going to say, I can't believe you guys did this. We can bring it back. It's not well, like it's not something
17: we can't bring back. Later
9: I'll time. make
11: a motion to revise.
17: We actually have a motion on the floor. Did we? Amy made a motion.
11: Um, oh.
8: Would you be willing to add to your motion after review with uh, legal counsel? Yes.
11: I'll second. Sorry, what was the motion?
8: So
9: I, I move to accept it, but striking everything after. Where is it? Evaluation. Evaluation and with Laura looking at it and saying that's okay. Upon
11: approval. Upon approval of district council. district council. Right. And I seconded.
0: Okay. So all in favor of that motion, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Okay. So. Okay, 14.0 annual organizational items election board officers for 2016, and I'm going to hand 14.1 doc- to Dr. Kraft.
12: Okay, so I have a, and you all have a kind of a board script. I think you have seen. So there's two, two pieces of this. Um, I'm going to read introductory remarks for election of board officers, and then public and board comment, and then we go to nominations of board officers in those those orders, and and it's very similar. So here we go. We'll now move to Agenda 14.1, nomination, election of board officers, education code um, 72,000, as well as board policy 2210, require the board elects its officers at its annual organizational meeting in December. The district has two board officer positions, the first is its president, second vice president, both of whom take office as of January 1, 2016. We're going to move to these areas, but this is just description. Before making nominations, there is an opportunity for public comment on the election of officers. After that, trustees may ask questions and make comments. After that, we'll move to a section that will be nominations for the office of president, followed by voting. Once a president is elected, then a vice president, um, nominations and voting will follow. State law and board policy allow any member to nominate a trustee for president with or without providing reasons for the nomination. Any trustee may nominate oneself, and any trustee, including the student trustee, may second a nomination. Okay, Your big opportunity. You can second a nomination. Um, When there are no more nominations... Let me read it again. Any trustee may nominate oneself and any trustee, including the student trustee, may second a nomination. I get it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it is tricky, but that's exactly what I mean. When there are no more nominations that are seconded, there will be a motion to close. Nominations, votes will be cast in the same sequence as nominated. The first nominee to receive a majority of votes will be elected to the position of president. If no person receives a majority on the first ballot, then the person with the least votes is eliminated and the process continues. Votes will be taken on the remaining nominees until one receives a majority of the votes. If there is only one nominee, then that person is declared president, no vote will be taken. Once a president is elected, the same process is used to elect vice president. Any questions or comments on the process? Hearing none, I will go to the second public and board comment. Are there any members of the public? who wish to comment on the election of board officers? Hearing none, are there any members of the board of trustees who would like to offer general comments before nominations? Hearing none, I'm going to say nominations are now open to the trustees for the office of president. Who wishes to be recognized to make a nomination for the office of president?
19: I'd like to nominate Joanne Busenbark.
9: I'd like to nominate Trustee Baldini.
12: Wait, hold on. Let's do one thing here. I'm just going to follow script, okay. but, but you're good. So, um, John Busenbark, do you, Joanne, have any comments you would like to make regarding your nomination?
8: Uh, uh, I, I will accept the nomination, and uh,
17: Ron... Did you get a second on your nomination?
0: No, we did not. Is a second required?
12: Yes. Who wishes to second that nomination? We have to have that. No, Gabriel wants to do it. Gabriel. I'll second that motion. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Two. Let the record um, reflect. All right. So uh, Joanne Boozabark is nominated for board president. Who wishes to be recognized to make another nomination?
9: I nominate Trustee Baldini.
12: Okay. Are there is there a second on that? I second that. Okay. Are there any further nominations? Seeing no further nominations for the Office of the President, is there a motion to close those nominations?
9: I move to close the nominations.
12: Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Oppose. Abstain? Okay. Unanimous. Nominations for president are closed. All right. Now we're going to do Now it's time to vote on the candidates for the office of president. The election will be made by raising hands. A raised hand is a vote for a candidate. Candidates will be voted on in the order that they were nominated. The first candidate who receives a majority vote will be elected as president. The following members were nominated for president. Joanne Busenbarke. And Michael Baldini. All in favor of Joanne Buzenberg, please raise your hand at this time. One, two, three, two. Okay, thank you. Three. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Um, a majority it was not. all in favor of Michael Baldini, raise your hand at this that, time.
17: I think that was a majority. That was
12: a majority. Was that three?
17: Joanne. Joanne voted oh. for herself as well.
12: Oh, oh, okay. Let me redo that then. I'm so sorry. Thank you. So, let's go back to Joanne then. Okay, so um Joanne did receive a majority? No, am I messing this up? Help me out. I'm
17: sorry. Gabriel's advisory, so there were 3 of 7, so not a majority. That's what I thought. Okay, good. Sorry. All right.
12: So, we're all right. So, and let's now let's go um No. Um, no, you can vote more than once. You just <laughs>
0: Well, uh, it's only advisory, so it's a difference? Yeah. Yes. yeah, exactly.
12: So we have to, so Joanne did not receive a, a majority there. So all in favor of Michael Valdini, raise your hands, please. One, two, three, four. That is a majority. So um, that would elim- uh, eliminate Joanne from it. Congratulations, Michael. You are now president. Thank you. Brief hand, it could work, whatever you'd like to do there. Um, now let's go on for nominations for the Office of Vice President. Nominations are now from trustees for the Office of Vice President, who wish to be recognized to make a nomination for the Office of Vice President.
19: I do. I, I'd like to nominate Rafael Rios. I, will second that. I would
12: like to second that. Okay, and Joanne, um, do you have any comments regarding that? Your Your nomination? Yes, sir. <laughs>
18: I'll accept the nomination. Okay, that's what I'd like to see. Next page. Okay,
12: Rafael Rios is nominated for vice president. Who wishes to be recognized to make another nomination?
0: I move that we close the nominations for vice president.
12: Seeing none, this this uh, you are elected. So just that fast. Um, congratulations. <laughs> um, Where's the balloons? We are there. The board officers for 2016 are Michael Valdini as president, Rafael Rios as vice president. Congratulations. Good. Appropriate (laughs) hand, everybody. Onward and
0: upward. Okay. 14.2 Adoption of the 2016 board meeting calendar. The proposed calendar for 2016 regularly scheduled board meetings appears on the backup package. Regular meetings are scheduled for the second Thursday of each month, with public session typically beginning at 5.30. Do we want to say 5.30 or 4.30? We've been doing 4.30.
17: Public session is at 5.30.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see us move public session to
8: 6 because that's typically what we do.
0: True. It usually lasts that long.
8: So if somebody sees it advertised at 5.30 and we typically don't, then, you know, that's not good. I'll make a motion to accept the calendar with that change, public session beginning, typically beginning at 6.
17: So if you come back to public session at 5.30 and the public is expecting you to come back at 6 and they aren't here?
8: Good point. I'll I'll withdraw that. I move approval of the calendar as it's submitted. Is
0: there a second? I second adopting the calendar? Uh, I, I, I have yes. a question.
16: Um, where do we adopt the the pre-meeting workshops that we attend to? Is that I know that's not on the budget, or sorry, the agenda, but yeah, how do we figure that out?
0: They're kind of, um, they're not official. You know, right. they're, they're, they're just
16: kind of month to month, we figure
0: right. it out.
8: Originally, what we asked for was uh, for uh, yeah. the president to those programs that, he, that they see need would benefit from a showcase or something that's relatively new that we should know about. So they set that skit. That's how it started out. I don't know if that's what you're still doing.
18: but. Just a, a note, looking at the dates, I know I will not be here for the March 10th meeting.
0: <laughs> I was so looking forward to seeing you there.
18: Well, now I've given you time to get over it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
11: Uh, I was actually. There's
9: I have a question about the. Um, I'm wondering if there's any way we could move up the board self retreat so it's not right in the middle of the summer. Like maybe make it either like the beginning of the summer or the end of the summer, because. I that's stayed not, home. That's not
0: something we put on this calendar. Well, Usually it's, it's, it's I like to travel. Tentative. Right. Yeah. So, we, can, we can change that at any Yeah, time. okay. Not,
9: yeah, if we can have it right smack in the middle of the summer, that would be great.
0: I, because yeah. honestly, I don't know when it's most convenient for me at this point. It's only December. I think we'll figure it out when we get closer.
9: Okay.
12: You, so, I would comment on that, just, just if it's okay. I don't want to get us too much in the weeds here, but we did... Try to try to create the seventh early in the month of July You know earlier than normal and then and then the regular date in August, so we created a full month of Vacation time for the board etc in there and also maybe for staff who might enjoy not coming in during that month <laughs> So That was the process there
0: Okay all in favor of the top calendar did we already adopt it? We have aye. Aye. All in favor of adopting the calendar with, without the revision, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. 14.3, appoint trustee members to board committees and Napa Valley College Viticulture and Winery Technology Foundation Board for 2016. The following following discussion, the board chair elect will select appointees to the audit committee... Legislative Affairs Committee, Redevelopment Oversight Committee, and the McPherson Distinguished Teacher Award Committees for the calendar year 2016 in keeping with board policies. Are you prepared to make those appointments, uh, Mr. Baldini?
19: Yes, sir. Thank you for the, uh, the honor. The, uh, we have presently Rafael Rios on the Viticulture and Winery Foundation Board of Directors, eminently qualified with his own wine venture. Raphael, would you care to continue? I'll give you uh... I would. And um, I'd like to see uh, Kyle Iverson as his anointed backup. Kyle, are you willing to accept that responsibility? Thank you very much. Joanne Busenbark has been serving a Redevelopment Oversight Committee, and a fantastic understanding of what's happening downtown as a former um, Napa City Council person. You had made a comment earlier that uh, this is short-lived. Is that is that correct, well, Joanne? Well,
8: I, I don't think anything is ever short-lived when it comes to uh, you know the redevelopment. It, 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 because so, the battles are still being fought. But I, I wouldn't expect it to, I mean, it'll, it'll go another year. For continuity,
19: would you like to continue in the, the role?
8: Yes, I would. Uh, I don't know where it's appropriate, whether here or under trustee reports, but I have a, another suggestion for an ad hoc committee. I'll, I'll wait till we get down to trustee reports for them.
19: All right, on the uh, Legislative Affairs Committee, I you know Dan DeGardi and and uh, Marianne Mancuso and Gabrielle had put in the foundation for that. Would you like to continue in that role, Gabrielle's affirmative?
16: Yes. I I would also ask: is could I potentially be a, um, appointed to McPherson Distinguished as well? well I'd not, like to sit on go. more than one. Uh, sorry, I'm, jump, I'm right, jumping right. the gun. All well, right, one thing at a
19: time here. <laughs>
0: We don't need one but- Kyle you
19: you're there all right we have Kyle and um yeah.
0: yes and I'd be glad to stay on the committee too and
19: Marianne yes there we go audit committee uh I'm looking in the same direction uh it I know the learning curve is what uh 6 years so I see you 3 for the next 6 years Uh uh yeah. All right, very good.
0: It was so fun before. I yes. See stuff Marianne, Marianne. Dan and DeGuardi Kyle and, and Kyle Iverson. I would accept, but I would also throw it
11: out as an option if Amy wanted
8: to sit on it. Is your mic on?
11: No. No? No, no not on. Okay. I would accept, um, but I'd also throw it out to Amy. Defer to,
19: yes.
9: That's okay. You can you can sit on it.
11: That's fine. Are you sure? Yeah.
19: Okay. <laughs>
9: Next
8: year.
19: <laughs> so that closes that. I, I, I understand. There's the been. Ledges,
8: did you get the ledge committee? Oh, that. Yes, yeah, right. so I understand. What there's What about the McPherson?
19: Uh, McPherson. Uh, the McPherson and uh, Amy participated. And, and give us uh, three wonderful um, faculty members. Would you like to continue in that regard?
9: Yeah, I'll continue with that one and. Is, um, can Trustee Sanchez join me on that committee?
19: Absolutely, he can.
9: I don't remember. It was spring, wasn't it?
19: It was usually in May Yeah. the yeah. first or second Friday in May, the first full week of May. We would have to usually. just
17: do a little um, research and perhaps conversation about the membership. I think it isn't set by this body, but the Senate?
16: The McPherson
17: Selection Committee?
16: We're thinking
17: about it. Hmm. Well, there,
9: there was a student. I know they had a student rep. Yeah. yeah I
17: think there's basically. a policy. Uh
19: huh. And then from the foundation. Right. And then
17: one, one, one trustee, I think. Right. Do you think um, the student trustee would be uh, an acceptable guest or participant? I don't know.
12: We'll do a little research and see if that, that that works. Just, but you're willing to serve if
16: you can, and uh, I'd, I'd I'd like to be adopted to more than one committee. I'd, li- I'd like to be adopted to more than one committee, which you know I want to move up. Well,
19: stay tuned. I, I understand one. there may be other I committees yeah. that will need. Great people. We'll,
12: we'll create some... We doesn't really change points. the quorum issue with, with him, <laughs> so he could really
0: add more if he wanted to.
19: Yes. The lead... Oh,
0: yeah. Are we done with the...
19: That, that uh, concludes 14.3 as I see it.
0: Okay. Board reports for 15.1... one Viticulture and Winery Foundation Board. Trustee Rios.
18: Uh, we have not had another meeting um, since our prior meeting, uh, this board's meeting. So there's nothing new there, but I would remind everybody of the uh, post-harvest celebration this Saturday at the um, general store. That's it.
0: Okay. I think it's 6 to 9, is it? 6 o'clock, yeah. Yeah. Um, Redevelopment Oversight Committee. Uh, We haven't met
8: since our last meeting. We've been scheduled for uh, February or March.
0: 15.13, Legislative Affairs Committee, and we haven't met since the last board meeting either. Audit Committee, we also haven't met since the last board meeting, I don't believe. So, ad hoc committees, the foundation district relationship ad hoc committee. Um, well, we we did meet and we discussed uh, basically parameters of how the foundation and the the um, the college will function with each other. And Bill Hardy is going to write up an MOU to, as he reported tonight, to lay out legally what we already do so that there's no questions about what's right and what's wrong on the relationship and I think that's about mm-hmm. about the gist of the meeting. So that's that report. Trustee reports. How about Amy?
9: Let's see. Um first thing I just wanted to say it was referenced, but I appreciate the increased outreach to the high schools by student services. Um, We met with Howard the other day, um, like um, Oscar mentioned, to bring a college class to Valley Oak, um, which is great because, you know, any, any barriers we can remove to students having a college experience, and most students this would be their first college experience, and having it brought to them and making those connections I think it will be really helpful to them transitioning you know once they graduate, so um, I really appreciate that outreach um, and I, I think it's a win win it provides space to have college campus uh, college classes, but it, again, it just makes it easier for our students to have their first college experience um, The other thing I was hoping um, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm hoping that as a board we could get that kind of reporting back about um, your conversations with the college community about a bond. I know we that was kind of where we left it, is that was going to happen, and we never heard anything back. So I'm hoping maybe we can hear, get some news back about how that went um, and what they had to say. And then finally, um, oh, actually, two more things. Um, I'm wondering if at some point we could get a report on DAS, um, Because, you know, there's two new trustees. There was also some questions from faculty about it, its purpose. um, And I just don't know anything about it. And so I I understand that, you know, those were monies that would normally be in the general fund. And they're going into a separate fund. And I'm wondering why. Why would we want the money there versus in the general fund? Um, And also, what is the relationship between that board and this board? Um, Since ultimately this board is the one that's responsible for the fiscal health of the college. So... Um, I'm wondering, does this board ever have a representative on that board to kind of have a, con- a connection between the two? Is that something you've ever thought about? So those are the two things I was thinking out about DAS. Um, and then finally, in terms of new committees, um, for the next meeting, I'd like to suggest that we form a ad hoc advisory committee um, to review our bylaws. Um, there's several bylaws that we're not following, and we either need to change the bylaws or we need to bring our practices in alignment with those bylaws. And so, I'd like um, to there to be a committee to look at our bylaws. Thank you,
0: Rafael. Um,
18: I don't have much. I don't remember having participated in <laughs> anything since our last board meeting that is of note, except for the lunch at the Up Valley campus. Mm. That
0: that counts.
18: That yeah. Well, that was wonderful with with some of you. Um, I think that was probably one of the best lunches I've had up there. Mm -hmm. Um, They've all been great, but this one really, uh, especially that tostada at the beginning was was amazing. Um, So that was great. And yes, I I was able to attend the Churchill Manor uh, event uh, the other night uh, for a little while before I had to run off to. Another uh, holiday event, um, so it was good to see, again, I don't think everybody was there, but all those of you that went, and some of the foundation members. Thank you.
0: I think everybody was at Churchill Manor, yeah.
8: Well, ditto on the luncheon, ditto on the, uh, on Churchill Manor, and that, uh, uh, that's always a nice event. Uh, I... Did go to Laura's uh, reception yesterday and said a few words uh, on behalf of the boards. Just so you, uh, you know, nothing that was insulting. I don't think. <laughs> um, the I had a uh, with contact with Randy Gallardi, uh, Heritage Sothby, but Randy uh, has also been very involved in affordable housing and for seniors, for, you know, for our student population, for, for whoever. And, uh, along with, um, he was part of this countywide, uh, study two years ago that I set on representing seniors. And, um, they've got a subcommittee of that, realtors, developers, finance people trying to find this magic way to, to develop some affordable housing. Uh, And uh, Joe Peatman from the Gasser Foundation has hired Cass Walker, who used to be with the city of Napa, and uh, Jim Featherstone, who was Deputy Director for Health and Human Services for years, to go throughout the city area to locate land available for housing. And we obviously... Have land, whether housing is you know what we would want to do with it maybe another uh, that's part of the part of the question anyway. I think we have a responsibility to be a part of this ad hoc group uh, to look at all you know feasibility I'm not talking about hotels we're talking about affordable housing that could apply to our students, our faculty uh, senior population, a mixed use uh some of you may be familiar with the tiny house concept uh the, you know mm-hmm. we have something similar to that yeah, over so on uh, uh Lincoln right near the mm-hmm. the bridge there where you uh, was put in in the floodplain and you can hook a truck up to it and haul it out mm-hmm. uh so i'd like to suggest that that uh you know uh that that you send me to back with a message that we would like to be, we the board, would like to be involved. And once they have a committee together, then the uh, chair can decide who to sit with them. I i just think it's a responsible thing for us to do. So that's that. Um, I agree with Amy in terms of, of uh, uh, the message that we... Uh, sent with Ron to find out where all the constituent groups are related to the bond. So that wasn't in your report tonight, so I assume, but I I think January is the absolute latest that we uh, can go with, as far as making a decision, in my my opinion. Uh, The other is uh, the gentleman that was here right from the beginning from... Uh, Kyle's district that was concerned about the psych tech to nursing program I'd like to you know I'd like to know where, what happened with that or if it still is on a you know on a back burner somewhere because uh, those of us that attended the psych tech graduations from time to time they're you know they're a group of uh Uh, multicultural, but they're people who come from very tough backgrounds in some cases, very poor backgrounds, and, you know, it's what, a year and a half, and you're out and making good money, and all of them were The last group, the graduation we attended, they all had jobs at Napa State Hospital uh, at graduation, so I, you know, anyway, I'd like to have an answer for that one. Um, and I haven't attended any, any musicals, but, uh, some of the women that I play bridge with had never been to our theater and came to the chamber music thing and were, uh, well, some of my Mahjong group too, but they were just awestruck with the facility. So it was the first time they'd been in it. So that little piece I offered. And happy holidays to everybody.
0: Thank you, Michael'd
19: i like to thank joanne for for attending on our behalf or saying some words uh, wasn't able to make it yesterday, and um, you'll be missed and thank you for all your contributions. I uh, did um, enjoy the the Whole Foods uh, and spoke with one of our students, Rachel, and and Greg Seward, who was there. Um, Chris, who's our broker, was behind the the counter and uh, um, pouring our wines, and it was quite a deal. It was uh, um, $6 for five wines. Wow, um, that's good. And that was for two people. So not a bad uh, flight um, um, of wines. Uh, enjoyed the, the luncheon at the St. Helena campus. Um, and the uh, I walked <coughs> away with two pitchers, uh, Amanda. One pitcher and one pitcher. So <laughs> thank you for, for uh, the reception. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. And, and thank you all um, um, for your confidence. I look forward to 2016. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Marianne. So
7: um, a lot of us attended Mike Thompson's annual event. Is your mic on? Oh. Thank you. <laughs> I said many of us attended Mike Thompson's annual event. And, uh, you know, it's really just a lot of leadership in the community, turns out, from every end of the county. And uh, I think it's a great place for us to all be present or at least have a good portion of us be present so we can uh, uh, promote (coughs) the college as much as we can to uh, the rest of the leadership in the county. It was a great event. I think you said there were about 500 people there. And then I do want to thank Laura and uh, all of her support and contributions that she's made, which I only know this much of this, right? (coughs) Um, But the the amount that I do know has been very much appreciated. Thank you so much. And uh, I also attended the luncheon. It was fabulous as always. Uh, Thank you for singing happy birthday on uh, Tuesday night (laughs) and embarrassing me, Ron. And Michael, congratulations. And Raphael. I'm
11: going to start out with thanking Dan for your service as the board chair during my first year. And I wanted to congratulate uh, our new president, Michael Baldini, and our vice chair, Rafael Rios. Um, I attended the Churchill Manor and that was great to see a lot of the Foundation Board members and get to meet them. Um, I also want to thank you, Laura, for kind of showing me the ropes in the HR department of the college for the last year. Um, We've got a lot of changing faces, it appears, in administration. Um, And I've been to a lot of events out in the public and working on our our relationships with the community. I look forward to the outreach with the high school. I think, Oscar, you did a good job with the student equity plan. And I think that about sums it. Oh, the most important thing. I saved the best for last. I agree with Joanne as far as needing some information on what was going on with the psych tech program and the psych tech to RN that had been discussed in the past. I'd like to see what happened with that. It was uh, really nice to get an email from one of my constituents. It was pretty neat. I got to reply back to him. You don't get them a lot, so.
0: <laughs> I haven't gotten any.
11: <laughs> I was uh, happy to see him make it tonight and bring the rest of it, you know, bring everybody in the board into the email. It was great. He saved me some work having to go over the email with you, too. So what he said to me, you guys all got. So thank you. Got
0: something real quick. Oh, okay. thank, thank you. you. Second I, shot at it. I
7: just forgot something real quick that I wanted to ask. Um, so with uh, what Diana and Amanda brought up this evening, when there's something, you know, pretty pressing like that, with class cancellations or whatever the topic may be. Is it appropriate for maybe something like that to end up on the agenda so we can actually have you know further conversation about it? Or how would something like that?
12: Well, let me say that y- y- yes and no. I mean, you know, if, if it you wouldn't want there's a, there, it, I'm treading lightly here, but I'm trying to think. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think there could be a report on our meeting, you know, that, that might be. I mean, that certainly we'll want to follow up. I have to think about that. I, you know, okay. some things are very appropriate for information. It wouldn't be an action item. Right. But if it's, if it's clarity around scheduling, which Terry, I think, did a pretty good job tonight kind of laying out the whys and, you know, more of that. Okay. We, might, we might talk about that. This is not the place, I think, to have that kind of informational debate on uh, at that level um but, it, but but
7: at least it would give us an opportunity to ask questions you know to at least do that to be able to you
12: do what you don't want to do is put either faculty or leadership in the position of ar- arguing right, ar- right you know presenting no are facts are are good, and we can certainly get at that mm-hmm. i think it's a it's something it's this whole scheduling issue is something that we're we're dealing with in terms of you know how when, what where. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to really think about that. I don't, I don't know Terry, if you want to weigh in, I'm happy to. You're probably just smart laying out over there. Okay, that's good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you guys can think about it and bring it. up yeah. next month. I'll we'll talk. Know, you
12: know, I, I I meet with with both Amanda and Diana and all and, and Terry, and we'll talk about it as a group and 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 come back. But, and yeah. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. Can I just
8: yeah. c- comment from having yeah. sat here for a long time? The. Uh, the, the message was a red flag. And uh so the chain of command goes first uh you know to Terry and then to Ron. What is what is appropriate is uh from my perspective is that whether we do it in it individually so we don't have any you know argumentative discussion uh, which isn't you know what we're about that that uh if you have the concern that you just expressed that you tell Ron you want to know you know you'd like to have more information um, that's the appropriate way uh, you know to to uh, to do it but that's the, when something like that comes up, doesn't matter which constituent group, it's, they're, you know, listing a concern, and
0: um, then we, you know, whatever is appropriate. Okay. Gabriel, and let's try to get out of here by 10.
16: <laughs> I'll make my report extra long. Um I just wanted to thank everybody uh, who's been coming to these meetings, uh, everybody on the board, um, for six months of being here. Um, I've learned quite a bit throughout those six months, especially going through conferences. Um, I've learned a lot about a, a great deal about student leadership, being a member of ASNVC, um, being able to represent my students. Um, I look forward to the next five months, uh, and I'll be back. And maybe after that, you know, I'm thinking about running again. Um, I'd also like to thank Laura um, because you've always been really nice to me every time I've interacted with you around the college and had that stupid question or something to ask. So um, thank you for that. And I wish you uh, luck wherever you may be going. Um, I was going to thank uh, Lissa too, but I think she's gone. So I'll do that on my own time. Um, other than that, I think that's the end of my report. Uh, look forward. Or happy holidays. Have a nice uh, new year. I'll see you guys in a month or so.
0: Thank you. And I'd like to start off by congratulating Laura and thank you you have you've always had a good knack for explaining confusing things in an understandable way and I I have appreciated that I have. And I apologize for missing your uh, retirement function yesterday. I actually intended on going, but a family situation came up and I couldn't make it. But you're gonna love retirement. I guarantee. It's retirement is good. Um, I did go to Jose Hurtado's um, retirement function, and some of you know, but not all of you know that we actually go back many years. We both grew up in San Lena together back in the '60s, and uh, but there was a 40-year gap between when I saw him. And He was really about the only one that I actually knew when I first got elected on the board, and it was kind of nice to see a friendly face, and I said, hey, Dan, <coughs> hey, Joe, you know, it was, it was really nice to, for that, and now he's on his next chapter of his life. Um, went to the Churchill Manor like everybody else did, and the, uh, the um, I went to Whole Foods, but I went there early in the day, so there's nothing set up for wine tasting, I didn't see anybody, but I did do my duty and and bought some stuff at Whole Foods. And also, my wife and I went to the uh, choir event at the uh, at the PAC. It was about a week or so ago. It was really nice. We en- both enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, we talked a little bit before about uh, Holly Brown from the operating engineers. who did the walkthrough here at the college to help set up the uh, career fair. And I won't go too far w- with that, but we talked before. It's not just booths set up for... For informational handouts, there's going to be hands on events for the uh for the students to to uh join in on it should be a lot of fun and with that, congratulations to michael and raphael and and uh, I know I didn't set the bar too high, so <laughs> don't have to worry about that <laughs> and uh i I believe, I don't think we need to go back into closed session tonight unless some, someone uh, thinks so. And uh, so I hope to see everyone here on January 17th, same time, same bat station. And uh, we are now adjourned until next year.